The language used by Curtis Sliwa is replete with spoonerisms, malaprops, and fractured phrases, and is not a reflection of the language that you should use in your normal conversations. It is Sliwanics, and a glossary of its words and definitions are posted on WABCRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Check this out. On the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. to know whatever happened to those white Christmases. You know, a few weeks ago, I was substituting for Sid Rosenberg, who was away with his family. I think they went to Puerto Rico. And it was John Katsimatidis, yours truly, and Andrew Giuliani. And John, the owner-operator of WABC and our parent company, Red Apple Media, promised that there would be a white Christmas. No chance of that. And I'm asking everybody out there, we haven't had snow in about more than two years. What's going on? What ha- Are we going to have to have fake snow like they have sometimes in the ski ranges, like in Stowe, Vermont, when they don't have enough natural snowfall? Are we going to have to sort of dump artificial snow all over the city and surrounding areas in the suburbs? Like uh, we have, what, 77% of the trees are now fake trees for gacy trees. They're not even real trees because it takes upwards of 10 years to grow 
a Christmas tree. So I'm asking all of you out there as we prepare for the Christmas festivities, some of you are traveling, some of you are with family and friends, many of you are shut in, you're stuck home alone, but remember you have your friends here, your extended family is at WABC. But we hear this classic Bing Crosby song, White Christmas, right? And I don't know about you, uh, maybe it's part of the demand for reparations that we're not going to be getting any white Christmases. Who knows? Maybe Al Slim Shady Sharpton demanded that we never have a white Christmas again until reparations, 40 acres and a mule. Uh, I want a whiteout. I, I say, hey, if we got to take the whiteout and just start painting snowflakes, we got to do something. I'm beginning to wonder, there will be children born recently who will never have experienced the white Christmas. And they're going to wonder, as you hear these songs always around the Christmas holidays, what the hell is that guy talking about white Christmas? Is he talking about cocaine? Because other than that, there's no snow. So I ask all of you, ladies and gentlemen, as we rev up until the break of dawn, what became of the white Christmas? It wasn't all that long ago that we would get clobbered with snow around this time. Not so much at Christmas itself, but in early January and really right into February and early March. I mean, there would be two, three, four, five, sometimes 12 feet or more of snow. Now we got a lot of salt that's stored up. Red Cross salt for the Gentiles, kosher salt for the uh, Jews. But other than that, no snow. So we open up our phone lines. I'd like to know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, be Nostradamus for a second. Predict. When the hell are we ever going to get another white Christmas again or just snow? I don't know. Some of you, you keep the Farmer's Almanac. You probably have the 2024 edition already. Some of you have it online. Could you please partake? Could you please share with us when or when is it going to be snowing again? I understand we're not going to have a white Christmas. But when or when will it be snowing again? What are we going to do for all these children who have recently been birthed, who may never, ever experience a white Christmas? With global warming and climate change, the planet is heating up. We're not getting our fair share of snow. Oh, other places around the world, they get clobbered. We get ugats. We get bupkis. So I'm going to put it out to all of you. I'm sure there are some brainiacs, some experts out there. Those of you who uh, probably remember the great Lloyd Lindsay Young giving us those forecasts about snow. What do we have to bring him back? From Idaho, from Wyoming, where he does weather forecasts now? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And notice, Broadway Billy, not one person has called. Not one person has called. I was assured, I was promised that there will be a white Christmas by our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, weeks ago. It seems that it ain't happening. 
So any of you out there who don't believe in global warming and climate change, could you tell me when we're going to get our next snowfall? Because I've passed a few of the sanitation barns west side up in the Bronx in Brooklyn this past week. And I must tell you, the salt is piled high into the sky, but I have a feeling they're not going to be using any of it again. That's two straight years. No salt. Spread out. Nothing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You know, I passed through Dyker Heights, right next to Bay Ridge, uh, on my way to look at the illegal aliens who were begging for money outside of King's Plaza. They're housed there in the four tents in Floyd Bennett Field. I was on with Rita to describe how they're wearing $600, $700 North Face jackets, and they're going door-to-door and begging in the neighborhood of Marine Park. But when I was going through Diker Heights, I noticed that a lot of those Diker Heights mansions no longer have a lot of those Christmas displays, which Diker Heights was known for. I mean, boy, they used to be all lit up, all lit up. You know, you, you can tell when you're in a Jewish neighborhood, it's not lit up on Christmas. You can tell, oh, this is a Jewish neighborhood, like Forest Hills. You go driving through Forest Hills, you see very few lights out there, you know, facsimiles of Christmas trees. Because Jewish people never had them years ago. Increasingly more have. But there are a number of groups out there, they do not in any way, shape, or form, they don't celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to go through a whole laundry list of those groups that I met over the years when I was growing up. And I was always fascinated as how do you deal with it when you're in such a small minority? And there's Christmas everywhere. It's in the advertising. It's in the air. It's in the music. It's in the feel when you walk around. They even use the term now Christ, Christ mess, whereas they used to have X slash mass. I remember passing uh, Macy's one time, and it said X-Mass sale. Now they go back to Christmas, which is good. Because, let's face it, Americans never necessarily associated it with a religious holiday. Less and less people are religious. More and more people are associating it with a secular holiday where you exchange presents. You travel all over the world. To meet up with family and friends. And it sort of lost the meaning that it had when we were kids. But it would certainly help if we had a white Christmas. Let me see, you hear the music here. You would think that there would be the emergence of snow on the ground. And you would hear the changle changle of the reindeer sleds. Remember how they used to have them go up and down the streets when we were kids? Now pretending to be Santa Claus so we get the kids all revved up. Can't do that now. No snow, no ice, no sleet, no nothing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I was just making a list before we started the program of all the groups I've met over the years and all the groups who do not celebrate Christmas, but it must become very difficult when almost everybody else does. For instance, 
when I would talk with the Jehovah Witnesses, that they would stand in the subway stations, especially in that tunnel between Grand Central and Times Square when you catch the shuttle. And I would ask him, do you celebrate Christmas? And actually, one of the old-timers said, we used to, but we don't do it anymore. So forget the Jehovah Witnesses. Then the Seventh-day Adventists, they don't celebrate Christmas. Forget them. This is not their holiday. Uh, I know that the um, the Quakers, I mean, John Gambling used to be a Quaker, and I remember used to having conversations with him when we shared a microphone years ago at WABC. Obviously, he became uh, the uh, iconic figure at WOR, Women's Only Radio, his grandfather, his father, uh, and then John Gambling himself. I think they first began to broadcast at Bamberger's near Broad and Market Street in downtown uh, Newark. While WABC, in its origin, was broadcasting from the Westinghouse factory near Down Neck in Newark, on top of the factory that was making the actual radios that now had a station that people could listen to, and that eventually moved to New York City. It is interesting how both great stations actually had their start in Newark, New Jersey. And Newark, New Jersey had all the elements of New York City, not as large, had a great port, had the airport, uh, had the railway center, uh, everything. They had huge, huge retail shopping centers, Macy's, Bamberger's, you name it. It all was there in Newark. Beautiful city hall with a gold dome. Had so many things. And yet, when the riots hit in the late 60s and people left in droves, Newark, to this day, has never recovered. But I know the Quakers, I guess they call them the Religious Society of Friends, they uh, do not celebrate uh, what we know as Christmas in any way, shape, or form. And I'm interested if any of you happen to be listening and you're members of those faith, if you can explain why you don't, and more importantly, how do you get to a time in which so many people are saying Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. They're having Christmas parties. They're having uh, religious events, secular events. Uh, I don't think you immediately inject yourself and you say, well, we, we don't celebrate Christmas. Uh, that's not part of our religious belief. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. my white Christmas. I was promised a white Christmas. I have bupkis. When are we going to have a white Christmas again?
Wham. And you know who's the main member of Wham. Ended up in that public laboratory in Beverly Hills doing the freaky deaky. But still, it's a great song. <laughs> but I want my white Christmas. And I want to hear from people to tell me why you don't celebrate Christmas, because I know you have to keep it on the down low, hush, hush, much, much. Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, Quakers, uh, quite a few others who probably basically have to go uh, sort of chill out for a while. I mean, what are you going to do? Say you don't celebrate Christmas? Kind of difficult conversation this time of year. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Maria. Who's calling from Tom's River? Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Maria. Hey, Curtis. Yes, I'm ma'am. going to I'm going to answer all your weather questions. Oh. Now, first of all, historically, in the in the metropolitan Northeast area, white Christmases are very rare. I think historically they happen maybe once every 15 years or so. So. You just have to be patient. What, what, what do you mean, Maria? Uh, what do you mean I got to be patient? When is it going to happen? <laughs> it's, a, it's like winning the lottery. You just got to keep buying the tickets. And, no, 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 I understand that. But you see, you're right. It rarely snows during Christmas, but then we used to get hit in January, February, and early March. Now that doesn't even happen anymore. We haven't had a snow in over two, two, two and a half years. Okay, now... The last time I looked, I think today was December 22nd. So you just was telling me that we don't get snow until January, February, March, right? Correct. So now I'm going to make a prediction. Today is the December 22nd. Three weeks from tonight is January 12th. I predict that three weeks from tonight... We're either going to be talking about the storm that we just had, the storm we're having, or the storm that's coming. Wow, you're like you Karnak. You're like Karnak the Magnificent <laughs> with the old Johnny Carson. <laughs> like you're, you're doing a Nostradamus prediction here. And what yeah, day? Well, what day? Let me let me write it. Let me write it on the calendar right now, Maria. We got the WABC <laughs> calendar <laughs> right here. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, Curtis. Get your Godzilla. Remember, you used to have. Remember when the uh, used to play the Godzilla music every time they talked about the global warming. Well, what we're dealing with is the polar vortex, and the polar vortex right now is starting to weaken, and that's what keeps the cold air locked up in the Arctic. So when the polar vortex breaks down, the cold air starts coming down to us. And with all these big rainstorms that we've been having, and with all the moisture in the atmosphere, the cold air should be reaching us around January 12th. And if, if all we got to do is match up with one of those low fronts for coming from the west, and bam, you're going to have a big three-footer. How do you like that? And you're predicting January 12th, right? Yeah, January 12th, about that time. That's when at least the cold air should be arriving. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I've just, with my Sharpie, 
I've written it on the WABC calendar. Mm-hmm. I've written according to the soothsayer Maria from Tom's River. So if you're wrong, you better go into hiding, Maria. Well, listen, no, no place. I'm going to blast you. You you won't you won't want to be in Tom's River for about a month. You better go. You better go maybe to Sarasota, Florida, to Key oh, no, West. Me, you know, you hide out the there. Eric Adams treatment. Exactly. It's, oh my, oh no, my. By the way, you mentioned Godzilla. I'm going to be talking about Godzilla later on in the show. They just okay. they just signed. Believe it or not, the Los Angeles Dodgers spent a billion dollars. To sign two Japanese all-star pitches. But they're not gonna win. Wait, but they signed Godzilla to play first base. He's gonna be number twenty-three, and Charlie Sheen, who's gonna be the relief pitcher coming out of the bullpen. So I'm telling you right now, Maria, if in fact your prognostication is wrong, and I get a sense, my goiter, I'm I'm trying to my you know, I can usually tell when snow is coming, my goiter acts up. My goiter, which I can't even find uh, near my solar plexus, if my goiter acts up, then Maria will be correct. If she doesn't, she's persona non grata. Uh, make a note of that, Broadway Billy. I never want to hear her again. She's banned in perpetuity. Because now she's promised me snow. She said without a doubt it will either happen right before January 12th on January 12th or right after January 12th, and she claimed it's a polar vortex. She sounded as if she was the female version of Lloyd Lindsay Young. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to be nippy in them Nar Hills tonight. Hello, Atlantic Highlands. All right. They're having a big fundraiser down there at a restaurant for the Children's Fund, and this is to help care for young cancer patients at Mount Sinai Hospital, so everybody in the Atlantic Highlands show up. A great cause. Teens uh, in our area, 20s down to the south, 70s in southern Florida. Did you know yesterday in North Dade County, north of Miami, it was 90? 90? Incredible. I don't know if I can go on after that. That's where Marie's going to have to hide. North Dade County, up in North Miami Beach. Oh, maybe she could go to the track in Hollandale, whatever. Hide out there. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Warren calling uh, from Deposit. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Warren. Yes, Curtis. Thank you for taking my call. you got a great show. Uh, as far as what you said earlier about why a lot of, uh, like, Jehovah's and places like that have stopped uh, celebrating Christmas, a number one, I've talked to a lot of those people because I am in, you know, that kind of business. Uh, they said when it became so socialized, when they start putting Christmas stuff up in the stores in September, and it, 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 they forgot the true meaning of the what Christmas is meaning is the birth of Christ, and they said that it's it's all about money, and that's uh, that's that turned them off. What is that? And uh, many of them, uh, although they won't say it to you if you celebrate Christmas or to those out there that it is a very special religious holiday, 
They won't tell you, but they believe that it is a pagan holiday. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, you know. Oh, I don't. I don't either, but they do. Uh, Like with the Jehovah Witnesses, I'd be having conversations with them. They'd say, oh, that's a pagan holiday, birthdays, Halloween, Easter, Mother's Day, New Year's Day, Valentine's Day, are also shunned because of their pagan origins. Uh, They, uh, like Jews say to their members, don't have tattoos. You can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have a tattoo. Right. Uh, right, Jehovah right. Witnesses don't believe in tattoos, but they're they're not going to speak up during like the Christmas celebration because, boy, they would really get ostracized. And, and by, then I have another. Qu- by, I have by, question by the way, you, by the way, before you ask me your question, um, deposit. If I remember the last time I deposited, right, right? It was like a nickel deposit on cans and and bottles, but yeah, they, that that. That has really nothing to do with it. It's deposit is where they used to deposit the logs into the river and float them to Philadelphia. But you only have about, what, 1,000, 2,000 people there? Uh, Dogs, cats, everybody counted maybe 1,800 tops. Wow. So population, 1,800 tops, when you include dogs and cats. Yes. Wow. And yet... You listen to WABC, Warren. I do because uh, you guys are a, a great, you know, news source, and I, and I love the talking. I don't like your buddy Frank. I I, I got to be honest with you. I turn him off when, when he comes on. I don't like that Frank guy. Well, remember, um, remember, we have I, all. I do like Dominic. I like Dominic a lot, and you know. Well, we have all kinds of personalities here at WABC. You got to understand that all kinds of personalities. It may grow on you, Warren. It may grow. Frank, the Mameluke Morano might grow on you. I want to spit upon you. I doubly denounce you. All right, come on, Frank. You don't want to be spitting on uh, Warren in deposit. There's only like 2,000 people there, and that includes cats and dogs. I mean, imagine that. That's the most that's the most popular thing in Deposit New York is to be listening to WABC. There's nothing else up there, like he said, other than logs. WABC. Exactly. Now that it is dark outside at dusk, we are the biggest station in the world, a global entity. By day, the largest station in the nation. And people can hear it in all different kinds of manners. The... Uh, Normal kind of radio that we grew up listening. But more importantly now, so many people listen on their cell phones. You download the WABC app. Crystal clear. You get the streaming audio on your laptop, worktop, computer. As I mentioned, uh, from the snowy, uh, snowy tops of the Himalaya Mountains. Near Kathmandu and Nepal. Down into Death Valley, my wife Nancy's favorite location, where only the scorpions survive on your way from Los Angeles to Vegas. You can hear us crystal clear. And naturally, in population 2000, when you include the dogs and cats deposit New York, as Warren has certified. Let's go, if we can, to Benny, who's calling from Harlem. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Benny. 
Hello, Curtis. How are you? Good evening. Happy Christmas and all that good stuff. Happy New Year. How pleasant happiness to you and your family. Do appreciate your salutations and greetings, man. You seem you're really hyped up. You're really hyped up, pal. I'm really excited, Curtis. I'm gonna tell you why. I love the white Christmas. I love the Christmas tree. I just got through doing that for the grandnieces and nephews and stuff. It was really nice. But now, is it a, a is it a natural tree, Benny, or like so many people have sold out to get the artificial trees? No, no, no. We we go with the natural all the time. We go with the natural. We feed it the water and 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 the um, what and the food, everything. We take good care of it. And do you we, put and we do, use do, the pine. do you put a St. Joseph's baby aspirin in the tray? That too. Yes. How did you know? Oh, that look. Uh, I'm, we used to have trees in my house when I was a kid growing up. And uh, I'll never forget, my mother and father would say, hey, now that you're going to you balance it in the dish because it leans one way, the other way, and you're putting the screws in to make sure it doesn't fall over before you decorate it. And then my mother would say, before you do anything, now that there's water in the tray, the holding tray, we called it, you got to put one St. Joseph's baby aspirin so that the tree will will not get dry. Exactly. See that? Well, there's hey. so many things you could do with St. Joseph baby aspirins. It's what I used That's to true. do. Benny, when I would snatch the flowers at the Ganarsi uh, Cemetery that they were going to throw away on Tuesday night after visiting, people would be visiting their loved ones who were buried there. It was the only secular cemetery in New York City owned by the, the city government. I would snatch up those flowers I would put it in a vase. I would put a few St. Joseph's baby aspirins in, and I would give it to my mother. And she goes, oh, you're such a good son. You're such a good son. I say, hey, Mom, anything for you. She never knew they were right off the cemetery plots. Hey, Curtis, guess what? Yes. I believe you're New York City's first son, and I believe the best white Christmas present to be given to this city is you as mayor. Wow. But look, Benny. Yeah. Benny, I don't care about that right now. I want a freaking white Christmas. That ain't right. I was promised a white Christmas weeks ago in the same studio, John Katzmantidis. There was uh, uh, Andrew Giuliani and myself. In fact, we're going to be substituting for uh, going to be substituting for uh, Sid Rosenberg next week. And John promised me a white Christmas. He said, "Guarantee you, it's going to be a white Christmas." I'm waiting. Maquanamai, I'm waiting. Let's go to Joe's calling from Newburgh. Your turn to be heard, Giuseppe. Mr. Sliwa. That's me. If, if you were a gardener, you would know the problem with global warming is not excessive CO2. The problem is excessive solar radiation like knocked out your radio station a couple of days ago. Oh, so you mean when the solar flare came out of the sun? That was an extreme situation, but solar generation generally is causing global warming. Well, you're right, Joe. Uh, I remember I was listening to Rita Cosby. The electricity went down briefly in the city. We thought it might be a blackout. Uh, we had to go to a backup generator here so that Reedy's nationally syndicated show could continue to be aired here at WABC. But I remember for a while, 
there was a massive amount of interference from the flare that exploded off of the surface of the sun. And, you know, the next one is a center shot. If it hits, it's going to wipe out. Oh, it's going to wipe out. Oh, my God, Mercury. It's going to wipe out Mars. And it may wipe out this great Earth of ours. I mean, Joe, what do we do then? What do we do then? There'll never be snow. Prayer. Prayer, yeah, prayer. We found evidence of a series of super flares from a star in the outer Pleiades reading. Right? Readings were off the chart. We were both wrong. The numbers are a warning, but not just to me or any random group. They're a warning to everyone. A super flare. In our own solar system. A 100 micro tesla wave of radiation that would destroy our ozone layer killing every living organism on the planet that's what joe and uber camden by the hudson is talking about we had our warning it was a solar flare the next one is the center shot that's it it takes out mercury it takes out mars it takes out mother earth that's it. it's over it's a big meltdown, and then I'll never get a white Christmas, right? Never. And nobody, nobody yet has given me an answer as to why. Forget about white Christmas. Okay, I get it. Uh, it's not the norm. It's the exception to the rule. But what about snow that normally would hit us hard in January, February, uh, most of March, eh, about to the middle of March? It's not around. And then those of you out there, oh, there's no such thing as global warming, climate change. Oh, everything's normal. Really? I want my freaking snow. And a whole generation that's being birthed now will never see snow. I do think that we're going to have to take the same remedies that they do in Sussex County at the ski ranges in western New Jersey up by a Stowe in Vermont. When they don't have the snowfall, you know what they do. The machines come out and make the fake snow. We may well have to generate fake snow to give a new generation the concept of what a white Christmas is or even what snow is. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I want to know, where is my white Christmas? 1-800-848-WABC. And if you happen to be a Quaker or a Jehovah Witness, or a Seventh-day Adventist, or any other religion that does not celebrate Christmas and considers it to be a pagan holiday, that's one of the rationales, feel free to call. I know, hey, look, it's a very difficult thing to do, uh, to swim against the flow and to be talking about why you don't celebrate Christmas because you believe it's a pagan holiday. I get it. I mean, so's the Christmas tree, right? That's how it uh, originated. And now, look, it used to be a natural Christmas tree, the smell of a natural Christmas tree in your house. And now they're fake fugazi trees. 77% of the trees this Christmas season in people's homes and businesses are going to be fugazis. Fake trees. It ruined. It ruined Christmas. Let's go to Ben, who's calling from Australia. Your turn to be heard here, WABC, Ben. 
Uh, yeah, hi, Chris. Merry Christmas, bro. Um, so, look, you know, Christmas is a pagan holiday, and the church married up to Jesus, but really, you know, they didn't have reindeer and, like, Christmas trees and stuff in Palestine ever kind of thing. So let me ask you a question, Ben. I know they didn't have wombats, they didn't have kangaroos, they didn't have koala bears there either, Ben. Yeah, that's right. So give me an idea. Uh, I've been to Australia a few times. I've never seen snow in Australia, but then again, I wasn't in places that maybe it might have been generated. You know, uh, people don't realize, even though your country is a continent, it's just about as large in landmass as the United States. Yeah, well, I've got a I've got a white SUV. Uh, I actually gave it to my wife, um, so it's a family car for you know we got three kids, and um, I've got this frozen, encrusted, not frozen anymore, just encrusted snow and ice because we went to the snow and ice, I think two winters ago, which was about 18 months ago, a couple of Julys ago. So we only have to drive about five hours south, and, and we'll hit the snow, but it hasn't been like July. That's how it is. Yeah, because you're all in reverse to us. Your Our summer is your winter, correct? Yeah, and, you know, with climate change, who knows? Like, we've got a mountain chain a couple of hours west. We might be able to get a snow there. You know, maybe once a year, one one or two days on a freak year. But every year, there's a, there's a ski season here. So um, I never wanted to go skiing because it looks dangerous to me. Um, and I had bad experiences with snow, like, in general. If you don't have the right gloves on, um, it just hurts your fingers, man. It's Snow is cold. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're damn right. But, oh, man, you, you, you have an aversion to snow. Uh, but you say, like, maybe once a year up in the mountainside of Australia, you might get a few flakes. Do they have fake snow that they put out there for skiers? Oh, God, you're killing me. Look, um, you say fake snow, and I think of this guy that worked in for Hollywood, but he never went to America because Hollywood's, like, international. And I was, I was chilling at his place one time, a bag full of fake snow, and he was telling me how whenever they film a movie scene for Hollywood with snow, they do it inside a factory with fake snow and, like, tree trunks that they carry in from outside. So, but, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the trees here in Australia, they all have, like, these pagan things. These things come from Europe, bro. They don't come from Palestine. They don't have anything to do with um, the Christian religion at all. Wow. So so how did they get there? I know, look, it's... uh... It was a penal colony. That's how it was settled by the Europeans. They obviously had the aboriginals there to begin with, especially in the outback. So where did where did those trees come from? Well, hold on. They come back, come back to the aboriginals. So when I went to the snow here with, with you know with my mob last um, two winters ago, about eighteen months ago. I got interested in the local um, history of the Aborigines because I was showing some history up in the bars and stuff, very, you know, kind of country kind of area, you know, like rural. And there are a lot of Aborigines living in that area that was, you know, they had to deal with snow like every winter. So these are not like the people you see, 
you know, on the TV with their spears, you know, out in the desert. It's not like, and just like naked. It's not like these people would have to have like moccasins on their feet and like, you know, kangaroo kind of, um, or maybe wombat fur, you know, like a proper pelt. So there's a lot of different climates for those. Those people have like 600 different languages. You know, they're just um, more, I guess, than what they had in, I don't know, the American Indians, you know, I don't know. I watched a pretty good documentary with um, Kevin Costner on the American Indians, and they had some pretty sophisticated stuff there before the Europeans came. So, Oh, they, no know. doubt. And uh, when I spent time... In Australia, I spent time in Sydney. There was an area where the aboriginals were living. And they had a fascinating background, other than what we learned about boomerangs. Oh, yeah, I saw them throw those boomerangs. Man, you do not want to get hit by a boomerang, and then it comes right back to them. And they practice tossing that boomerang. And then all of a sudden, ah! And if not, the boomerang comes back to them. That was so cool. Out there in the land of wombats, kangaroos, koala bears who always look stoned. They're eating the eucalyptus leaves and they're just pooping. And they love their koala bears. Oh, the koala bears. I said, what do you love? They're always pooping. They look like they're stoned. Well, you know, Qantas Airlines, it's the symbol of our airline. Plus, they eat Vegemite. Oh, my God, the worst marmalade that's ever been created by craft company. They couldn't sell it in America, so they pawned it off to the Aussies. And you go over there in Australia, oh, can we have Vegemite, Vegemite? Oh, God. Please, if you visit Australia, whether you go to Perth on the West Coast, or you go to Sydney, Melbourne, the Gold Coast, or Brisbane on the East Coast, do not, do not. Eat Crafts Vegemite. You will regret it till the day you die. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. weekend as I begin the marathon taking you to the break of dawn this uh, Saturday morning then so nice the suits let me do it twice Sunday morning 12 to 6 although I do object to your choice Broadway Bill Lee 
I know you and your partner, Joe Causey, at WCBS-FM during the week. You love to play Chuck Berry, Run Rudolph Run, as uh, will um, Cousin Brucey, who uh, is the greatest DJ of all times. I mean, he loves he loves Chuck Berry, but Chuck Berry was a pedophile on a pedestal. I'm telling you, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear Elvis. Pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson, pedophile on a pedestal, Jerry Lee Lewis, great balls of fire. I don't want to hear him, pedophile on a pedestal. And remember who he was related to, Jerry Lee Lewis, great balls of fire, Jimmy Swaggett. In his cathedral there in Baton Rouge when he came over to his TV audience. And remember as the televangelist said, I have sinned. Oh God, I have sinned. Oh, God. I mean, look, there's so many songs you can play. Do you have to anger me? The spirits are, we're here tonight. And that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. You know I hate Paul McCartney. That'll piss off uh, Tony Orlando without Dawn. Uh, Well, let's not go there, right? We're having a nice Christmas. I'll get the phone call from Missouri. What? Now I'll never get Paul McCartney. Well, look, Tony. Yeah, I just got to be real. I I just don't like Paul McCartney. I do hope you get him. Obviously, um, I mean, look, I'm in the minority on this. Like people who don't celebrate Christmas. Maybe I ought to keep my opinion to myself when it comes to the Beatles and Paul McCartney, right? Uh, but you see, you got to get into the swing of things. This is so important because it's not just talk. We are now into our entertainment phase here at WABC. When I attempt like a hors d'oeuvre to prepare you for what is going to come your way. The rest of the weekend, oh, the diva of all divas, Mariah Carey. You know she'll be down there New Year's when the ball drops, Times Square, lip syncing, and the music never seems to move at the same time as her lips. Oh, God, I really hate Mariah Carey. I really do. She is the diva of all divas. Boy, I'm really pissing off a lot of people here. I don't know, Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, you don't have the courtesy with touch. You're hitting the third rail on all the people I would never listen to. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, thumbs up, Brenda Lee. You got it, Brenda Lee. I mean, this is what used to play in the Sliwa household around Christmas. Brenda Lee, you know, although Ming Crosby, we never knew he was beating his son, but what the hell. He had great Christmas songs, right? I gave him a pass on that. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. The Christmas tree have a happy holiday. Wait. 
usually takes down the house when it comes to uh, Christmas. Let's go to Sean, who's calling from Brooklyn. You're trying to be heard here at WABC, Sean. Good morning, sir. <clears throat> um, you know, you mentioned Newark, and it's a shame what happened to Newark. I got lost once, and they swarmed my car at the red light. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, it's terrible. I mean, it really turned into a war zone. And, and like Philly and Detroit and all of these cities, it's a disgrace. And uh, <clears throat> it didn't have to happen. I mean, these... A lot of these corporations uh, sold out to Wall Street. And the next thing you know, 55,000 people are out of work <laughs> at the stroke of a pen. But anyway, I, I talk about the weather. We'll get to that. But, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you go back. And this all started back in the late 50s. All these companies sold out. They all went to China Yep. at the stroke of a pen. They said, instead of paying, you know, $4 an hour, we'll pay $0.04 cents a day. And, all, and they're still doing it. Look, they're, 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 uh, they want to U.S. steel is going to be sold. They're trying to, to, to Japanese uh, buy. I mean, I don't know how that's allowed. Yeah, no, no. They've uh, they've actually capitalism. made the they made the purchase of U.S. steel. But capitalism, I guess. I mean, I'm 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 not against it, but when you have to draw the line when it's a foreign country, I think. I mean. Well, yeah, remember, Japan it, was our enemy. I know, long ago. but now the the two most expensive yes. ball players in the world are from oh, Japan. As I told you, Godzilla is going to be playing first base uh, for the Dodgers, number twenty three, and Charlie Sheen's going to come out of the bullpen. And uh, even though they were enemies of ours, yes. It's like Japan is like the friendliest to America in all of Asia. They have become American. I have guardian angels in Japan, and I got to tell you, you know, their local cuisine, which used to keep them very healthy, even though they're smokers, they smoke like chimneys. But the fact that they would eat so much seaweed and so much seafood and rice kept them healthy. Now they're on an American diet, and they're noticing that they're dying like 20 years earlier. American, yeah, you know, fast food, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Mickey D's. They even have White Castles. White Castles, yeah, in Toronto. No, excuse me, Tokyo. What am I talking about, Toronto? But, oh, you're not going to want to miss our uh, extravaganza about Japan and how uh, they basically are taking over Major League Baseball. This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. 77 WABC News starts now. Good morning, I'm Bob Brown. The NYPD is ironing out its security preparations for New Year's Eve celebrations in Times Square. We are going to be prepared for that. We're going to have a large police presence out there, both uniformed and plain clothes. Uh, we're going to be doing traffic control, pedestrian control to make sure it's a very safe New Year's for all. And as always, no backpacks allowed if you plan on going. Well, later today, Super Saturday, it's expected to be one of the busiest shopping days of the year. Places system. like Macy's Herald Square, the American Dream Mall, New Jersey, and Long Island's and Roosevelt Field are expected to be jam-packed. 
Metro North is offering so-called shopper special trains to and from the city for your Saturday. The National Retail Federation says 142 million people are expected to shop on Saturday. Doctors say you should be cautious as families get together for the holidays. Dr. Marina Kellner of Westchester Medical Center says COVID cases, as well as the flu and the respiratory virus RSV, are on the rise. I think people shouldn't be alarmed, but they should understand that this is uh, that COVID is spread in the same way that a lot of other viruses are spread. Women across New York State with an extended family history of breast cancer could benefit from a bill pending in the state legislature that would expand access to mammograms. Curtis Sliwa and another side of midnight up next on 77 WABC. Forecast of the Ramsey Miles Weather Center, mostly cloudy overnight, lows in the 30s. For your Saturday, great day to shop, partly sunny, highs in the mid-40s. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC. Remember, the news never stops at WABCradio.com. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. business to do out in Staten Island. A hotel on Staten Island has abruptly announced it would close down, and there are rumors afloat that the city of New York is tending them a contract so that it can become a shelter for migrants. Wow, this is the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue. So there's a letter that said, effective Friday, that was earlier in the day, this property will no longer be operating as a hotel. Because of this change, it is required that all patrons vacate the building by noon Friday. In the last two weeks, the building has been sold. We have new owners, and the present management met with the new owners. They were saying that the hotel was staying, the Marriott, and that everything is going to be basically the same, we know we're told one thing and we see something different. So there's a lot of strange things happening out there, a lot of strange things. So if you happen to live in proximity 
of that Fairfield Inn, uh, which is owned by Marriott Hotels. Be wary that we may have to gear up our protest at the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue that has been closed. And I will do the deep dive with my wife, Nancy, who, um, uh, as an e-attorney, is always able to get down to the nitty-gritty. But it may mean we've got to rev up our rebels out on Staten Island. The last success we had was closing down the migrant center at St. John Villa, still battling over at Midland Beach, where they kicked out the uh, senior citizens, many of them veterans of World War II and the Korean War, the greatest generation. Gave them two months' notice. Pack your bags, get the hell out of here. That was Eric Adams' administration. Because we need it for illegal aliens. And every day, the local residents there, which is a floodplain, they got wiped out during Superstorm Sandy, are out there protesting. Again, I'm putting the warning sign out. I have a feeling they did this because it is the Christmas holiday. They figure they'll catch us sleeping. The hotel on Staten Island, known as the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue, has locked its doors told all of its uh, patrons, pack your bags and get the hell out of there. So there were people that were staying there that were on business in the Staten Island area, New Jersey area. In fact, Valentina Escobar and her family, who were in the city for a wedding, were waiting outside for an Uber to get to another hotel. Quote, we've been here one night. The next day, they put a paper under the door telling us we had to be out the next day at noon because the hotel was closing. We had paid for 20 days. We had paid for 20 days. Wow. Residents, you know what's going to happen. It's going to be a migrant center. I'm going to have to get my butt out there, big time. Going to have to rally up everybody on Staten Island. That's where we have fought the most uh, victorious battles against the city where we've been able to close a number of brick-and-mortar migrant uh, shelters. Uh, We've had more success in Staten Island than in uh, other parts of New York City, Manhattan, Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn. But we're going to have to gear up out there. Leader of the Rebels, Scott Lobato, John Tobacco, elected officials, Democrats, Republicans, attorneys. Just saw Mark Fonte out there, he and his partner, who were at the... uh, Launch of the re-election of the Staten Island chairman of the Republican Party, uh, Mike Tanousis. I was there at Patricia's of Brooklyn, which is on Staten Island on uh, Amboy Road. You know how I got there, Broadway Billy? I took the ferry, and then I took Staten Island Rapid Transit to Eltingville, and I walked. It's like a focus group for me. You know, people come up. You know, the biggest issue on Staten Island, clearly the migrant issue. So we're getting geared up. We're not going to let them bamboozle everybody because this is the Christmas season and they feel, hey, under the cover of Christmas when everybody's at home or traveling with family and friends, they'll slip knockout drops into your drink. And by the time you wake up, there'll be 300 illegal aliens there. And then it becomes a very difficult task to get them out once they're all there. So if you happen to know anything about this, apparently this took place in the last few hours. I was unaware of it. So you see, they did this uh, vis-a-vis trichnology. 
clearly this was done by the city of New York, City Hall. Nobody has their fingerprints on it, but come on. We know what this is. If you happen to know what it is and who's involved in it, please give me a call. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As the illegal aliens keep pouring into our city, 4,000 a week, and our elected officials have no answer other than to say, there's nothing we can do. Oh, yes, there is. You keep them on the bus and you ship them right back to Washington, D.C., where their Papa Chulo awaits them. Put them right on the Washington Mall between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. Put the tents there. Say, Papa Joe Chulo, Joe Biden, you wanted them. Giggles, Harris, Mayorkas, now you take care of them. Simple. What are they going to do, right? Oh, I can't do that, Eric Adams says. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Wasn't that what Barack Obama, that was his... uh, uh, his battle cry and his election campaigns. Yes, we can. Yes, you can, Eric Adams. Just do it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But a pressing issue has to do with whether you happen to be an illegal alien, a citizen, a visitor. I don't know about you, but to this song of I Want a New Drug, Huey Lewis. People have been dropping like flies in our tri-state area, especially New York, New Jersey, and about 16 other states. So let's use the example of my wife, Nancy, who's very healthy. I still have no idea how old she is. Uh, It's sort of an enigma to me. It's sort of like Frank Morano, the manga Luke, who does the other side of midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. In its nationally syndicated show, we have no idea how Frank, how old Frank Morano is. We have no idea how my wife, how old my wife Nancy is. And she sometimes gets sick, but because she's in good shape, she takes good care of herself. It's a quick recovery. Recently, she lost her eyesight. Boy, that was a frightening time. And she was able to recover her eyesight with the uh, doctor she was referred to at Columbia Presbyterian. Uh, it had to do with her, um, what do you call that? What do you, what do you put in there when you put, instead of wearing glasses, you know, whatever you put in your eyes to be able to see, and it caused, uh, cornea damage to her. Man, the fact that I would be forgetting that. I mean, you don't think I'm suffering from, uh, any of Joe Biden's problems. But I will tell you this, for about 72 hours, my wife was knock silly with a series of ailments that were frightening in scope. Uh, I was supposed to be at the Christmas party here at WABC on Thursday. I had to bow out say, forget it. Had to go home, take care of my wife. She was shivering like shiver me timbers. She was cold. She had 104 fever. She had a nasty cough. You could tell it was a chest cough. And she had such extraordinary pain, like she never had before in her life. Now, she's had migraine headaches. This headache was, like, super spectacular, like she had just gotten hit with baseball bats in her lower extremities, in her head, in her back. She was incapable of moving. She was bedridden, hacking up, coughing like there was no tomorrow. It was approximately about 5 o'clock at night. Thursday night, 
and I was at the point of making a decision, should I bring it to the hospital or not? And I knew if you go into a hospital at night, other than if it's a major medical emergency, like a coronary issue, a stroke, a heart attack, you got to go to the hospital. But my rule of thumb is, if it's after 5 o'clock, do not go to the hospital for other reasons. Because you're generally going to get a second shift, not the best doctors, not necessarily the best nurses. And uh, you're going you're gonna to get interns who have been learning to become physicians and doctors and a lot of chaos at night. Just not. It's not the same. I've been into so many hospitals in my lifetime, both in terms of me being cared for in emergency situations, guardian angels being cared for, my own mother and father. As you know, most people in the last two years of their life spend more time in hospitals than at any other time of their life. So you get to know the best time if you got to check into a hospital and when that time is that you shouldn't check into a hospital. So I told my wife, Nancy, hold on, hold on. Let's see if we can bring down your fever, which to me obviously had to be dealt with first and foremost, 104, 105 fever. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And uh, as uh, she began to slowly recover, It was clear that for the past few weeks, germs seem to be floating around. So if your immunity is down and your energy levels are so low, it's the right time for catching something. And for my wife, Nancy, she started dragging around on Tuesday, which is something she never does. Uh, I would say after a few weeks of feeling blah, you know what that's like, blah. And then midday Tuesday, while she was in a meeting, she was in and out, no energy, super cold, ready to sleep, then bursts of energy, and then physically, she collapsed. But that ended quick, and then it was off to sleep for an early night, so she was like on a roller coaster. I'm sure some of you have probably had the same symptoms. It's been rough for a whole bunch of folks. A few hours later, she woke up. And was fully into it. Major headache, muscle aches, fever, chills, nasty, lots of pain, nonstop pain. The next day, settled into congestion, major coughing, no energy, and a new twist of body pain in her lower back. And with every cough, her back and body cavity was like aching as if it was a tooth. A tooth that had just inflamed. And I said to myself, what am I going to do? Am I going to have to take her into the hospital now? And then I got her some meds, just like the song here says. I want a new drug. And it calmed her cough, lowered her temperature, and attacked her sinus problem. But her entire face was reeling from sinus infection and was hard for her to sleep at all because of the pain. And I'm sure you've seen friends and relatives and co-workers and others who have been clobbered. I mean, there's a new new strain of COVID-19 that's out there. People who are having pneumonia, walking pneumonia, regular pneumonia, all kinds of flus and viruses. Oh, boy. I'll give you our numbers. 1-800-848-9222 if you've experienced any of this. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it just seems that it's really hit people hard. 
Now, I'm not comparing it to uh, March of 2020, the lockdown and pandemic. Not comparing that uh, to COVID and how people were being swallowed up in the ERs and swallowed up in the ICUs and then it putting them on uh, respirators. Oh, my God, that was, whew, what a mistake. 70% did not survive being put on respirators. Only 30% did because they didn't have the trained personnel to monitor the respirators. And I remember telling people back at that time, if they, if they put you in a hospital, that's the last place you should go. Do not let them put you on a respirator. Because the respirator, if it's monitored properly, will work. I was on a respirator when I was shot five times with hollow point bullets on uh, June 19th of 1992 on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. and the Gambino crime family. And for that first day, I was on a respirator because it was touch and go. Then they took me off the respirator. I had tubes in every orifice of my body making sure that uh, the toxic poisons uh, throughout my body were not going to suddenly cause my termination. And so I was on a machine. But that was nothing to compare with uh, COVID or Corona. When that first hit and people were in ICUs and they were in ERs and they were on those ventilators. And, oh, my God, so many perished from that. So many perished from that. So if you have any tips... If you have any experiences, if you have any remedies for what's been floating around, and I have a feeling it's really going to be spreading like wildfire during the Christmas holidays as so many family and friends get together. It's certainly done that in the many Christmas parties of uh, businesses and fraternities and sororities and business groups and political organizations have had. And I've just been hearing that. Person after person has been going down like flies, just dropping like flies. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. at 1-800-WABC. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Curtis, nice to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. I think your wife had cataract, uh, 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 contact lenses in her eyes that, that caused that, the cornea problems, right? That Stop. is correct. Thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me that word that seemed to have slipped from my consciousness. That's right. Her contacts had damaged the corneas and had caused her temporarily to go f- completely blind. Wow, that's that's hard. And, and being blind, you know, being blind is no joke. We had a girl in my school in, um, in St. Michael's in East New York that was fully blind, and she walked with a girl all the time. And I did a test for a day. I wasn't allowed to go up and down the stairs. But I did the test, and I, I was blind for the whole day. It scared the hell out of me. I never want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think scared. think of people. Look, uh, here we have uh, my husband-in-law, the former governor, David Patterson. He's sight-challenged. Uh, he can see a little bit. Steve Wynn, who uh, uh, became the big casino guy, he's sight-challenged. He can see a little bit. There are other people that can barely see. But then those that have completely lost their sight, it's got to be a very frightening experience. I can imagine. I can imagine. Tomorrow, I, I want to be. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. It's going to be something big tomorrow on the BA, and I might be arrested tomorrow. So you might see me tomorrow on the news. Ah, so you you can't give us a little heads up, a little tip. Twenty two, twenty two veterans kill themselves every day. You know, and uh, it's from suicide, and and the VA is is not doing enough to, like, the, the places that they send you these flight decks, 
and I've known them for my own. You go there and you're like you're pacing the halls, and you're in there with crazy people all day long. It's a flight deck. That's what it's about. But it, it's got to be run a little better. There's got to be a better way to run it. I've been in I've been in other flight decks where they had, you know, like people talk to you. In the, the VA ones, nobody talks to you. Five minutes, you, you talk to the doctor or the nurse for one day. Who else are you going to talk to? The patients, they're all nuts. So when you say yeah. a flight deck, what do you mean by that term? Psych ward. Psych ward. Mm, when okay. you, you know, a little PTSD stuff going on in your head. Right. I did, you know, the VA, they do the best, but that's socialized medicine. It's not always going to be the best. But the VA really needs to do more. And 22 veterans a day are killing themselves. And we got to do something about it. No, you're absolutely right, Tommy. Again, we don't con- we're not concerned about veterans at all. Uh, you may have heard me on the Rita Cosby show. I'll repeat it uh, because uh, we have now illegal aliens who are getting everything, including North Face jackets, $600, $700. I'd like to know who's paying for that. Probably us, the sucker taxpayers. Uh, but we have homeless veterans in the streets forging for food sometimes in garbage cans, and yet we have illegal aliens that we put up in hotels or tents or wherever, no-tell, motel, holiday inns without the express, and then we give them food, and they say, well, no, it's not culturally appropriate. We're not going to eat the food. Well, what are you talking about? Eat the freaking food or get the hell out of here and go back to your country. What, what are you, what are you all, of, all of a sudden you're making demands on us? Yeah, it's a, that's a sad situation. I'm My wife is a, a dog rescuer. And she goes into Manhattan, brings blankets and food for the dogs, the homeless veterans that have dogs on the street. That's her thing. Yeah. She goes around and gives blankets. To we have people donate hundreds of them. Yeah, and there so, are so many who turn out to yeah. have served our country in peacetime or wartime. I'll never forget going up to 125th and Lex. I've done it a few times at night. The last bus goes to Ward Island, which is the regular men's shelter for Americans. They don't have illegals there. And there are a whole bunch of veterans who are staying there. And if they're not in by 10 o'clock at night, that's the curfew. Tommy, they kicked out into the streets. They got to go ride the subway until the next day. I won't do that. I'm out in my car right now, and I won't go in. I'm uh, I'm struggling a little bit. I'm going to a PTSD program, and I'm in my car right now. And it's okay. Uh, I'm I'm good enough. And I don't need I don't need the VA to set me up in a, or in these in these shelters that you go to where somebody's gonna stay. I've been in a shelter once. I said I'll never do that again. Yeah, yeah, no, no, those are, are not nice places at all. Not nice places at all. You're in you're in those shelters. You have people with severe psychological disorders who are not yeah. being cared for for their mental health concerns. And imagine well, you sl- yeah, you're sleeping okay. there at night. And this guy is having a psychotic disorder, and then all of a sudden he's attacking people randomly. There's little, if any, security. And uh, it happens on a regular basis. This is our own citizens, our own people. We don't give a damn about them. But if you're an illegal alien, Tommy, if you were an illegal alien, and you would say, I'm from Venezuela, oh, uh, uh, do you have any mental health issues? Do you have any medical issues? Whatever you need, we're going to get for you. Yeah, there's a program up in uh, St. Joe's that I'm supposed to, I'm going to try to get to that's, uh, it's not VA. And I got to try, we're trying to figure out a way to, you know, get some, some kind of scholarship for me to go there. I mean, ho- hopefully I'm getting some people to work on a wounded warrior, some fatalities and stuff like that. Those people really do some good work. Yeah, I don't know. Tunnel, tunnel for Towers, uh, this year has committed itself 
to finding uh, the homeless veterans in the streets of America and giving them a living space of their own, a living space of their own. Imagine this private nonprofit has to do what government should be doing for our people, especially veterans who have served in peacetime and in wartime. And instead, we're doing this for illegal aliens. You got to say, you got to scratch your head and say, what? You got veterans forging around, as I see sometimes, in the garbage pails, in the subways, in the streets, to try to find food to eat. And an illegal alien gets the bagel and the schmear in the morning with the Philadelphia cream cheese. Oh, it's not culturally appropriate. We, we, we won't eat this. Good. Starve. Get the hell out of here. We'll send you right back. Can you imagine we even begin to negotiate with them? Negotiate with them. It's like, sit down. Well, what is it you would like to eat? And then you give them a menu. And then you order from Grubhub. And who's paying for that? The sucker taxpayers in New York City. And who is allowing for that? Eric Adams. Swagger man with no plan. Mayor of the illegal aliens. Oh, there's nothing we can do. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there is. You tell them, either eat the food we give you or get the hell out of here. Pack your bags and we'll ship you right back. That's unbelievable. Oh, well, let, let's try to accommodate them. Oh, what would you like? Uh, would you like, uh, let's see, would you like uh, on your bagel there? Oh, you like a little salmon there? Yeah, man, a little salmon, huh? little lox? Yeah, hey, maybe we'll give you steak and eggs in the morning, huh? And what else would you like? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. Happy holiday from 77 W-A-B-C. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 W-A-B-C. Here's Curtis Lewa.
something's going on out there. Virus, flu, new uh, contagion uh, of COVID-19. But, boy, it's wreaking havoc and especially coming in this Christmas season when family and friends and others are getting together with all the Christmas parties that took place, social gatherings. It appears to be spreading like wildfire. And people are bedridden and knocked out by it. Let's go to Johnny in Sullivan County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Johnny. Hi, Curtis. I haven't spoken to you in a while. How are you, my man? Well, not good. I've been caring for my wife, Nancy, who's been I down know, for the count. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. I got some help from him, and that'll help her. I told the same thing to Frank Morano last night because I got very sick, and my wife made me her witch's brew, and it worked. I literally almost had walking pneumonia, and it's gone. What you do is you take lemon water, lemon water and, say, a Poland spring bottle, um, and then you put a lot of cayenne pepper where the water literally turns brown. Then you add some ginger to that, the actual fruits, and a little bit of, um, oh, what's that stuff called? By the way, you don't really need that. And just some basic spring water. And little by little, pour some in a giant coffee cup, heat it up as hot as you could stand it, and just drink it, sip it. it um, it'll be spicy, very spicy, because it's cayenne. It'll raise your 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 blood, your, your, your temperature. Your hands will no longer be cold. Your feet will no longer be cold. Your aches and pains will go away because if the thing works too cold, it first it does is it detoxifies you which is the one one of the reasons why people are getting ill. Number two, it'll, it'll like an atomic bomb, increase your um, immune system. See, people are walking around now with very weak immune systems for a variety of reasons. So that will help you if you happen to go off a bit already be sick. To prevent and increase your immune system on a daily basis, and tell us to your screen, I want him to know, Every morning, chop up uh, peeled garlic. Chop it up in little pieces where, where it's a, a tablespoonful of that and just swallow it. Another thing to do is you must take vitamin D3, um, a lot of it, vitamin C, and chelated zinc. The zinc must be chelated, and there'll be no way you can catch COVID. So, well, yeah, well, you we, see, you gave that advice to Frank the Mama Luke Morano. And I saw him earlier on Friday. He just about lost his voice. And Broadway Billy, I had to reach into my black bag, Felix the Cat black bag of medical tricks, some of which is not necessarily copacetic. Uh, so I had to, I had to go beyond what Johnny in Sullivan County was recommending to the Mamaluke. He had pretty much lost his voice. I gave him two of my secret tablets. And wouldn't you know, the voice was restored within two hours. I'm not going to tell you what the ingredients are because cayenne pepper. Wow, yeah, I remember having cayenne pepper. That was like a natural stimulant which will keep you up. You put cayenne pepper in water, you ain't going to sleep. It's natural. So it's not like... uh you're taking meth or methamphetamines or amphetamines or uh, caffeine, anything like that. But red cayenne pepper mixed in water, 
I did that a few times when I was running multiple shifts at Mickey D's McDonald's up in the Bronx when I first started the Guardian Angels. And let me tell you, you drank that, whoa, you were not going to sleep. And it did not cause any harm to your system. It's not like all of a sudden your heart started pounding. Like back then, it was very powerful. People would take uh, Black Beauties, uh, which was really, they didn't necessarily know what it was, but it was like speed. So you could work all day and go party all night or go to the casino and gamble till the break of dawn and then go back to work. But, boy, your heart would be pounding out of your chest. Not with red cayenne pepper. He is absolutely right. That is a natural stimulant that gets everything circulating. I remember that. Like, whoa. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to John and Danbury. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Johnny. Okay, Charlie, uh, I'm an ex-Marine. I'm a little older than you. Uh, I was an engineer in the hospital. The the, the reason why you, your wife got very sick, the virus and the flu is running around. My advice to you, put Vicks in your nose, and you keep the bacteria germs out of your, your lungs and, and your heart. If you don't listen to me, you're going to get very sick. But uh, let me get this. Hold on, Jay. Let me get this straight, Johnny. Vicks Vapor Rub, we all used to have our mommies put it on our chest when we had congestion. Right. But, yeah, but if you put it in your nose, it prevents any kind of bacteria getting into your lungs or your heart. That's where everybody's getting sick. All right, but and see, thought, your remedy thought, your remedy is Vicks Vapor Rub in the nose. I use alcohol, rubbing alcohol in the nose. No, no, no good. What do you mean no good? Listen to me. Hey, hold on a second, John. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I didn't take the COVID shots. I I never took a flu shot. And I told 10 senior citizens to use the VIX. None of them died in the past two, three years. And other ones that didn't take it, a lot of them died. So what's the remedy? Now... If you don't do that, you're going to get very sick. And then you put a mask on your face, and then you keep away from crowds, because that's where the germs are running. But once once the bacteria gets into your lungs or your heart, you're going to get very sick. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm mano mano versus John here. He's saying put Vicks Vapor Rub in your nose. I don't know about that. And I'm saying rubbing alcohol, which I do all the time. I put the, uh, I smear my, uh, uh, the nasal cavities with, uh, rubbing alcohol. And remember, I did that when, uh, coronavirus first hit March of 2020. I was down in Penn Station caring for the homeless, the destitute, uh, washing them with rubbing alcohol and feeding them. I had no mask on, no Playtex gloves. Hey, if Mother Teresa could do it, I could do it too, along with the guardian angels. Now, I don't know if it's because I have a certain blood type that it helped me avoid getting uh, coronavirus, which then became, uh, as you know, the strain COVID-19 and uh, its other strains. But is there anybody out there who has used Johnny and Danbury's remedy of taking Vicks Vapor Rub? And instead of just rubbing it on your chest, which was the way I thought you were supposed to use it, a little dab will do you like brill cream, except you're not putting it in your hair. 
you're putting it in your nasal cavities. Ooh, I'm just, ooh. Wow. I wonder if anybody out there has ever done that other than John from Danbury. Marine, we got to take what he's saying seriously. Plus, he's an old time. He's up there in years. He's a survivor. So, I don't know. What do you think, Broadway Billy? Should I try that? Should I stick Vicks Vapor Rub in my wife, uh, Nancy Schnoz? I don't know if she'd appreciate that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, I tried to bring Nancy back to where she's feeling somewhat normal. But I don't know if I necessarily want to stick Vicks Vapor Rub in her nose. Man, that sounds a little weird. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Anna in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Anna. Good morning. How are you? I I would like to um, put forth a couple of remedies. For one thing, I did not have the COVID shot at all, and I never got sick. And uh, the thing is, I followed some of the uh, holistic remedies like uh, vitamin C is so important. It really, uh, Linus Pauling proved, uh, you know, cats, dogs, birds, all animals make huge amounts of vitamin C. But we lack, we don't have that ability. Some kind of genetic mutation occurred millions of, um, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago. And we have three of the components in our liver, but we lack the fourth one. So we don't make it. But um, I believe that it really works so well. I take 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. Like four times a day, I take 2,000. And I never get sick. But um, also the zinc. Remember the gentleman mentioning chelated zinc? It's very good. Take a zinc pill every day. And the reason for that is zinc prevents the replication of viruses. So as long as you're taking zinc, it won't get worse. You know what I mean? The virus will not accelerate. And then the other thing is like the other gentleman said, vitamin D3 and then K2. A K2 pill with the D3, they, they're synergistic. They work together. You know, one helps mobilize the D3, the K2. Now, Anna, Anna, you, you heard, yeah. you heard the, the other guy's remedy to put, uh, the Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh, yeah. In the nose yes. of my wife, Nancy yeah, Schnoz. Yeah, it's a yes, it's a nasal because we'll see. This is a nasal and respiratory virus. The Swedes made some kind of nasal spray, whereby it knocks it right out because it does gestate in the nasal cavities. But what you can do very wonderfully, and you should do it regularly anyway. You get a nebulizer. They cost about $45, a nebulizer. It's like a table model of a vaporizer. And you put hydrogen peroxide in there, and then you vaporize with that. It knocks everything out of you. It's the best thing. And you have to get a – but unfortunately, you have to get a prescription to get a nebulizer. But it's a uh, uh, Well, I'll like tell you, man, I will consider all those remedies that you have offered and the Marine offered. 
but I don't think I'm going to try to take Vicks VapoRub and stuff it into the schnoz of Nancy. I think she might uh, actually punch me if I do that. I mean, yeah, Vicks VapoRub in your n- schnoz? Oh, my God. You know what it feels like when it's on your chest? The deep vapors go right in. You know, your mother used to put it on you when you were a kid. I get it. I haven't had it in a month of Sundays. I think I put it on, uh, what was that? Anthony one time, my oldest son, when uh, he had uh, a chest uh, chest uh, infection. It seemed to work there, but my God. You know, imagine in, in, in Nancy Schnoz. What do you think, Broadway Billy? Uh, I don't think so. She doesn't have a very big schnoz. Anyway, let's go to Francis in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Francis. Hi, Curtis. Uh, my name is Francis. I'm a pharmacist. Um, I'm just listening to some of your callers. Uh, you're correct. I don't recommend putting Vicks Vapor Rub in your nose. It could be quite irritating. Um, we have microscopic hairs in our nose that helps to prevent bacteria and germs from entering our respiratory system. If you want to inform this system, recommend a saline nasal mist, uh, which is available over the counter. And there's also saline nasal gel, which you can use as often as, as needed. And that you can put in your nose with a Q-tip. But the saline nasal mist is also very good. The advantage here is to keep the nasal passages moisturized. Because in the winter, as you know, our nasal passages get very dry. And when the nasal passages are dry, they may not be able to block out bacteria and and germs as readily as if they are moist. Well, that sounds sounds very good, uh, Francis. And I took some notes on what you said. You know my remedy, and it's worked for me, putting uh, rubbing alcohol on the tips of my pinkies and putting it in my nose my ears, and just rubbing my face with it, it seems to have worked for me. Uh, is that a okay. decent remedy, or might I be... I don't, I don't really see any... Uh, rubbing alcohol is um, is good to kill, to kill germs on the surface of your skin. I don't recommend putting it in your ears or, or in your nose unless directed by a physician. I really, I've never actually heard of that remedy. Uh, also, um, well, you have to understand, Francis, it's very Polish. So Pol, I do everything backwards. That's the Polish part of me. So people would say, uh, why do you wear a red sateen jacket when it's 110 degrees in the shade? Uh, and it's hermetically sealed to your bodies. I said, for me, the Polish part of my constitution is it's like air conditioning. It really is. And people look at me and they say, you're out of your mind. Hey, what can I say? It works for me. It works for me. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Of the love. 
well be the song for my wife, Nancy. It's been night after night. She hasn't been able to sleep. The hacking cough, the pain in her lower back, the chest, just a nonstop migraine headache. It's something that's been sweeping through our area and knocking people out all along the way. Let's go to Maria in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. Hey, Curtis. Great song, by the way. Um, I can totally relate to it. I have been sick for three weeks. Now, let me tell you, seven years ago, I had a liver transplant. So I am on immunosuppressants. So I've had all kinds of things. I've had RSV every year. I had um, pneumonias, viral and bacterial at the same time one time. So this time, I cannot believe what I've been experiencing. It sounds like everything Nancy is doing as well. Um, It's just finally going away. I took cold ease with echinacea and zinc. That's what cold ease is. Echinacea, get the one with echinacea, not echinacea, elderberry and zinc. And let me tell you, it did help. So I'm on the now, you know, upswing where I am getting better. But it was brutal. And I could totally relate to Nancy. I love Nancy. I listen to your animal hour religiously. And I, I feel for her. I do. I know she works so hard. So please send her my regards, and I hope she gets better soon. Oh, and likewise uh, likewise to you too, uh, Maria. And it is interesting. Uh, as you know, we have a number of cats that Nancy has rescued from the shelter, where if she had not rescued them, they would have been euthanized. They would have been destroyed. And how they guard her, they can tell she's not feeling well, and they surround her as she's either sitting or laying down. And they keep watch of her because they know without her, that's it. They know you depend on Curtis. Forget it. Forget about it. Curtis will forget to feed them. Curtis will forget to give them treats. Curtis will forget to uh, change the litter, the most important thing that Nancy does three times a day. So they guard her almost religiously. Let's go to Dave in upstate New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Hi, Curtis. Um, nobody mentioned, uh, because it's wintertime, it's dry in the house, and that dries your sinuses out. If you don't have a humidifier or a pot of water on, what happens, your, your bronchial tubes will dry out and they'll crack. And if you go outside or somebody's got a cold, your body can't fight it off. You need that mucus or, or moisture in your lungs. If you don't have a, a humidifier or a pot of water on, I've got a pot of water going on right now. I haven't had a cold for three years. Wow. So you don't you don't put your nose near the pot of water and then put a towel over it and breathe it in? No, I have it going on so it's throughout the whole house now. Ah. The perfect amount of humidity is if you look around your windows and you got a little bit of Moisture around the edge of the windows, that's good stuff. So that that becomes like a vapor that just uh, circulates through your house, correct? Yeah. Or if you got the old heat registers, you know, 
the old uh, stand-up things. You could put a pot of water on there, but it should be between uh, 40 and 60% humidity in your house, and your body will be able to fight anything off. Gee, what's that, uh, what's that signal going off? Is that because the uh, water that you're heating up is setting off the uh, fire smoke oh. alarms? Well, actually, I got some beer in the freezer, and I don't want it to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> and I, too, am Polish, my friend. Maja. Now, by the way, what kind of beer do you not want to freeze? What's the brand? Well, anything with, like, 4% alcohol. I Actually, I'm drinking Rolling Rock. It's cheap, and it's forgiving. You don't get a headache. That's true, Rolling Rock. That's right. It's almost like... It's hard to imagine how these hipsters and millennials will spend so much now for Rolling Rock and for Pabst Blue Ribbon, especially Pabst Blue Ribbon, where you could almost not you could almost give it away when we were young and able to drink beer. Now they pay all kinds of money for a bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon that, quite frankly, you would have uh, gotten for a dollar years ago. I think that excited him there. Talking about Rolling Rock, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Imagine that signal was going off, uh, alerting him that the beer might have been freezing in the refrigerator, his Rolling Rock. Let's go to Lil in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lil. Hi, Curtis. I haven't called you for a while. Um, Listen, um, I pray every night for Nancy and you and your family. And... I, I have sinus bed, and I'm 82 years old, and I put the Vicks up my nose. That's the only thing that helps, that I can breathe. The but Vicks what? up your yep. nose? Yep. And you could even use it on your hands. If your hands are really in bad condition, it does clear it up. So that old-timer, that Marine from Danbury, Connecticut, was absolutely correct. Exactly. I wouldn't go without Vicks. Even my son has sinus bed, and he does the same thing. So you're suggesting that when I go home in the morning, when I finish taking you to the break of dawn at 6 o'clock, that I get a uh, finger full of Vicks and shove it up Nancy's no, schnapps. you're not shoving up the nose. You can take a Q-tip or a cotton ball oh. and just put a little bit on and let her breathe it in. Uh. That'll break up because a lot of her trouble is the sinus because I know I've been through it. Oh, let me and tell I'm you. I'm 82, so I Hey, that's hey. Look, I mean, that's uh, that's a guarantee. Little <laughs> at 82 puts the Vicks Vapor up. Little dab will do you right up to schnoz. Uh, I'll try it on Nancy. And if she kicks me out of the uh, apartment, I just come right back to WABC because then i got to be with Anthony Weiner from 4 to 5. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Hi. 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 This is the Japanese national anthem. There was a time before their bubble economy, which leveled out their productivity. In fact, they haven't had productivity in quite some time. It's a leveled out economy. Remember when they owned Rockefeller Center? And I said to myself, oh my God, that's the iconic location in Manhattan. And then, probably worse than anything else, they were able to procure the mustard belt of supremacy. When a young man came in from the land of the rising sun, in the shadow of Mount Fujima, and began to practice eating Nathan's hot dogs. He did it over and over again and became the international champion of Nathan's famous. Ladies and gentlemen, who am I talking about? Who was the great Japanese champion that for years had won the mustard-colored belt of supremacy of the annual Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest off the boardwalk at Coney Island on July 4th? I knew him well. I competed against him. In fact, I did commentary on MSNBC once I had retired from competitive eating, uh, Broadway Bill Lee. And they turned their microphones off on me because they said I was jingoistic and anti-Japanese. And I said, wait a second, how can I be anti-Japanese? I have 12 chapters of the Guardian Angels in Japan. My international director is Keiji Oda. They turned my microphones off. And nobody has come up with the name of the great Japanese champion, Kobayashi. He was only five foot four, 120 pounds, and yet he was able to consume 50 hot dogs in 10 minutes. He set all-time records, and it required that there was a nationwide search for a Jack Armstrong who could win back the mustard-colored belt of supremacy and the Shea brothers, who are the empresarios who run the annual hot dog eating contest and other gastronomical feats of, uh, of competitive eating all over the country. They went to Fresno, California, which had produced Tom Seaver years and years ago, Met fans. Remember Tom Seaver? He was actually a better golfer than he was a baseball player in Fresno. But I needn't tell you what he went on to achieve as a New York Met and then a Cincinnati Red. And one of the greats of all time. As much as I hate the Mets, I have to acknowledge that. But the Shea brothers discovered Joey Chestnut, who in battle after battle with Kobayashi was able to win the mustard-colored belt of supremacy of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest and bring that championship belt Back to the U.S. of A. But there was a period of time before the bubble economy that it looked like Japan would dominate the world economically. They had bought up all kinds of real estate. And many of their baseball players were becoming uh, draftees of American baseball. 
and we could sort of tick off those who had participated uh, before. I had the pleasure of going to the Tokyo Dome where the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame is. And as I toured the halls and saw the pictures and the bronze plaques indicating what achievements uh, had been been, uh, done in the land of the rising sun, I saw even a picture of Mel Hall, former Yankee, Cleveland Indian, Mel Hall, and some others. And it was one of the highlights of my many trips to uh, Tokyo to visit the Guardian Angels there to go to the Tokyo Dome, home of the Tokyo Giants, basically the New York Yankees of Japanese baseball. But that was then and this is now. And we've had a eruption uh, hit American uh, baseball in the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers have... It seems taking a reverse mortgage, a payday loan, in order to uh, sign up Otani, the sort of Babe Ruth of our lifetime, and Yamamoto. I wonder if he's related to the Admiral Yamamoto. Hi, 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 hi. We'll get to that momentarily, but uh, let's have the wrap, if we can, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, of uh, the history-making signings of Otani... And Yamamoto. The Dodgers and pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto are in agreement on a 12-year, $325 million contract. The 25-year-old will join Shohei Otani, who got a record-breaking 10-year, $700 million deal from the Dodgers earlier this month. Yamamoto had nearly 1,000 strikeouts in his seven seasons in the Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan. He won the league's MVP award three straight times. The New York Yankees and Mets had also each offered Yamamoto large contracts. I'm Daniel Martindale. We don't care, Daniel Martindale. So you got two of the biggest ball players of all time from Japan who will be playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Price, more than a billion dollars. And I understand that they have acquired Godzilla to play first base. He'll be number 23. And Charlie Sheen, who just got the tarn feathers kicked out of him outside of his apartment somewhere in Hollywood. Uh, He'll be coming out of the bullpen, as he did in that movie, remember, when he was playing a Cleveland Indian. Trying to remember what his name was. Oh, man, it should come to me. Ricky, wild thing. Remember Charlie Sheen out of the bullpen? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. One of the things I had an opportunity of doing is when I was in Japan, setting up Guardian Angel chapters there with Keiji Oda-san. Hi, 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 hi. I had an opportunity to meet the Babe Ruth of the Japanese Baseball League, Sarah O. Now, although he was born in Japan... His father was from mainland China, I would assume, uh, when Chiang Kai-shek was in charge before he had to flee to Formosa, a.k.a. Taiwan. So Sarah Oh was always considered to be Chinese. But well, what a left-handed hitter. And I remember descending down into the steps of the baseball stadium where he was the... Uh, Manager of at that time. And oh man, 
It's sort of like meeting Babe Ruth. I obviously I never had a chance to meet Babe Ruth, but I had a chance to meet Sarah O at the Fukioko SoftBank Hawks Stadium of the Nippon Professional Baseball League, and I had a chance to watch him as he was managing the team. Artificial grass built below sea level, but amazing edifice and amazing stadium, and there were some Americans who were playing on the team there. But ladies and gentlemen, this is historic. This is record-setting. Two Japanese prime-time baseball players that will cost the L.A. Dodgers in combination more than a billion dollars. Who would have ever thought of that? Remember, we had Marison Mantle. Would you ever have thought they would have ended up costing a billion dollars? Koufax and Drysdale, right, for the L.A. Dodgers. Nowhere near that. I can go on and on and on and on. Is it worth it, ladies and gentlemen? Or is it just that the pricing is escalating to heights that could never have been anticipated years ago for a game that we played as children? We would have played for nothing if given the opportunity. And now a billion dollars plus to secure two of the best from Japan, Otani and Yamamoto. I need to find out if Yamamoto is, in fact, anyway related to Admiral Yamamoto, who is responsible for the attack of Pearl Harbor. And remember, Admiral Yamamoto was U.S. trained. I believe he went to either UCLA or USC. So he understood the ways of Western uh, civilization and especially the Americans. And he, when he was unsuccessful in taking out the American fleet, the entire fleet at Pearl Harbor, he warned General Tojo and uh, the Emperor. We have, we have pulled the tail on the dragon, and the dragon will come for us. And then remember, uh, years later, Admiral Yamamoto was shot down over the Pacific by... American aircraft as World War II was reaching its conclusion with the uh, invasion of Okinawa and then the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But in order to uh, preserve history, I want to hear Broadway Bill Lee. I want to hear... The record-setting home run hit by Sarah O, in which he passed Hank Aaron. He ended up hitting 868 home runs with a lifetime batting average of 301. Played 20 years, mostly for the Yamiuri Giants, Tokyo Giants. And then, as I said, managed the uh, Fukuoka Hawks of the Nippon Professional Baseball League. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Home plate of Tatai. Aratamete kamaemasu. Batter box no O. Tokyo wa dai 6 kyume. In course kamaemasu.
Playing for the Hanshin Tigers, who were my favorite. The Hanshin Tigers played in Okinawa. No, check that. Check that. See, I, I made a big faux pas there saying Okinawa. Why have I、uh, lost my bearings in Japan? I've been there so many times. I have so many guardian angels. And I'm sure some of you, ladies and gentlemen, have been to the land of the rising sun. Some of you may have actually served in World War II against them. Some of you may have actually served in Japan, like our own Chad Lopez, for many years in the United States Navy. He was、uh, birthed there, his aircraft carrier. And many of you who have done business or just visited in Japan and know of the history and the legacy. Now, the fact that it has cost the LA Dodgers more than a billion dollars to sign up to two huge stars. Otani, who both hits and pitches, although he has had now two surgeries, Tommy John surgeries on his elbow. You say to yourself, my God, you would invest so much in a guy who's already had two surgeries. And Yamamoto, we have no idea if he was related to the previously mentioned Admiral Yamamoto, who designed the attack on Pearl Harbor, in which just days later, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. Declared war on the United States. A lot of people don't realize that. It was like a one two punch. Japan declared war on the United States with their attack of Pearl Harbor, and then just a few days later, Adolf Hitler and the Nazis and their many allies, the Axis allies, declared war on the United States. So we now had a war on two fronts. Boy, that was double trouble. But I must tell you, there was a great movie. I don't know if any of you had seen it. Well, the Charlie Sheen movie was great, but he was a Cleveland Indian at that time. Ricky,、uh, the wild thing. Bullpen, Charlie Sheen, Ricky, the wild thing. As I said, apparently somebody beat him up outside of his apartment. Who knows what the hell that freaky deaky guy was doing. I remember some of you out in Staten Island, you know, I gave you an update. Now, that one hotel, by the way, got to keep you alert. 
It looks like they're using a form of technology on us, ladies and gentlemen, as all of a sudden a hotel has closed out in Staten Island, the Fairfield Inn, which is owned by the Marriott chain with no notice, no notice whatsoever. And uh, apparently there are already residents who are outside assuming that it is going to be turned and transformed into a migrant uh, center. That's the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue. I'll be dealing with that later today. we got to stop that before all of a sudden under the cover of darkness with the Christmas season upon us. Uh, the Adams administration tries to uh, shove illegal aliens in to that location. Can you imagine? They just shut with no notice. You know damn well they made a deal with the Adams administration to house illegal aliens. we got to stop them in their tracks. So if you happen to be out in that particular area of the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue and you know what's going on, please give us a call, 1-800-848-9222. I and the Rebels will definitely be putting our beats in the trough and finding out what's going on. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But speaking of Staten Island, I don't know if you're aware, Broadway Bill Lee, that Charlie Sheen is the son of Martin Sheen. And the guy who doesn't get anywhere near as much attention, his brother Emilio, what was that, Estevaz, Emilio Estevaz. They were actually living on Staten Island. They had a house on Staten Island, Martin Sheen and his wife. They'd be walking around naked in their house. People in the neighborhood would see them through the bay window as if they were naturalists, as if they were... Uh, people who were part of a nudist colony. This is Martin Sheen and his wife at the time. And they would be calling up the local precinct. I, I don't know what precinct it was at the time. And the captain would say to the people, what do you want us to do? It's Martin Sheen. What, are we going to force him to put on clothes? Force his uh, wife to put on clothes? You see, a little unknown fact that you wouldn't even know from uh, Frank Morano or Mama Luke, right? And you know who also was living out there doing big-time movies? Steven Seagal. Who would have ever thought Steven Seagal in his prime? Not, not, uh, not of late, man. He's escaped to Russia. He's with his very dear buddy, uh, Vladimir Putin. But in his prime, when he was making really good movies, he was residing in Staten Island. And you would say to yourself, Staten Island? Yeah. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But there was that great movie, Mr. Baseball. Remember with Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck uh, was, I guess, a former New York Yankee who was an aging American baseball player. Although Tom Selleck, whenever I would see him uh, in other appearances, he would always have the Detroit Tiger uh, hat on because he grew up in the Detroit area. He was a big Tiger fan. In fact, I think he had partial ownership of the Detroit Tigers at one time. But when he was in Magnum P.I. in that uh, TV series, he would always be wearing that Detroit Tiger hat. But in this particular case, you may have remembered the, the movie Mr. Baseball. They had him as an aging New York Yankee star who was traded to a Japanese team, the Chunichi Dragons. See how I got that? I think that's the team that Bobby Valentine may have managed after he left the Mets as manager there, the Chunichi Dragons. You know, Bobby Valentine from Stanford, Connecticut, 
who recently ran for mayor there, he lost the same year in the mayoral run in Stanford that I lost for mayor in uh, New York City against Eric Adams. Yeah, Bobby Valentine. Originally, remember the Texas Rangers? He was the manager there when Bush 43 was the general manager, half in the bag all the time. I mean, between the coke and the booze, he was out of control. But anyway, I digress. So there he was, first baseman Jack Elliott, who had been traded from the New York Yankees to the Chunichi Dragons. And he was just not going to cooperate at all with the way the Japanese play baseball, which is a pure traditional style. So he clashed with the Japanese culture and the team's manager. And before long, he alienated his new teammates. He believed the rules and the management style of his new skipper was crazy. And he continued to do his his things his way. In fact, even getting up to hit, he held the bat upside down. Upside down in defiance of Japanese tradition. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, that was a great movie. And then all of a sudden, we find out that it was that manager who had convinced the owners to bring him over from the Yankees. They said, why are you bringing him over from the Yankees? He's all washed up. He said, no, no, I think he can make a great uh, a great uh, addition to the team. And it had a really nice ending. But I remember seeing that. Oh, the Hanshin Tigers, the uh, Hiroshima Tokyo Carp. No. Toyo Carp, if I remember it correctly, in Hiroshima, the scene of the actual dropping of the bomb. I had the graduation of the first Guardian Angel chapter there, right where that old church remains that was at the epicenter when the nuclear bomb was dropped to try to end uh, World War II against the Japanese. And they had a baseball stadium uh, in which the team had the uh, uniforms of the Cincinnati Reds And it was old school, the stadium, almost like Crosley Field was, when Pete Rose first broke into uh, Major League Baseball, playing for the team of the city of his birth, Cincinnati. Oh, they really love baseball over there. I mean, Cuba, they love baseball. Japan, they love baseball. Venezuela, where they're all coming in from right now. I'm telling you, uh, Broadway, Bill Lee, we ought to take them over to Randall's Island, all these Venezuelans. See if any of them can play baseball. I mean, it'd be perfect for the Mets and the Yankees to have tryouts there. I mean, they're here, right? You know some of them can play baseball. They love baseball. Dominicans love baseball. We could go right down the laundry list. Puerto Ricans love baseball. It really kept uh, the game of baseball alive. But if you've ever been to uh, Japan or Korea, Koreans are now into baseball. It really is amazing. They are totally into baseball. I mean, lock, stock, and barrel fans, cheerleaders. I mean, they come, they pack the stadiums. Even if the team sucks, they fill the stands. You know, in America, no way. If the team is horrible, they're not going to be there. They're not going to be paying outrageous prices. Japanese, the Koreans, absolutely. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
song by Blue Oyster Cult dedicated to Godzilla. the year of my birth, the Godzilla movie. Remember when Raymond Burr, the great role he played where he was explaining to the world, I think he was a UPI reporter or an AP reporter. What exactly was Raymond Burr in Japan? Who did he work for? What media outlet at that time when Godzilla first emerged? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But it was a great story because Godzilla was this prehistoric reptilian monster awakened and empowered after many years by nuclear radiation with the nuclear bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, still fresh in the Japanese consciousness. Godzilla was conceived as a metaphor for nuclear weapons. Now look, others have suggested that Godzilla is a metaphor for the United States, a giant beast woken from its slumber, then then took terrible vengeance on Japan. But then as the film uh, began to expand, some storylines took on a far less serious undertone, portraying Godzilla as an anti-hero or as a lesser threat who defended humanity. Later films about Godzilla address disparate themes and commentary, including Japan's apathy, neglect, and ignorance of its imperial past, natural disasters, and the human condition. I know many of you listening out there must have seen many of the Godzilla movies. They were classics. But none beats the original with Raymond Burr and the sound of Godzilla pounding away as he left and ended up going in to the sea after wreaking all kinds of destruction on Tokyo itself. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. In fact, I remember that when it debuted, it was on the Million Dollar Movie. We used to be able to see the same movie five nights in a row on Channel 9. It was the Million Dollar Movie. They had King Kong. They had Godzilla. They had all other kind of great movies. But my favorite movie, bar none, that I watched five nights in a row was Godzilla. And... He really is an international pop icon. You know, you can go anywhere in the world and you talk about Godzilla. He's been dubbed the king of all monsters. And they had like 33 separate movies. Can anybody remember all the different variations of Godzilla? Let's offer um, 
Broadway Billy, a Curtis Lee booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We're so cheap, we throw nickels around like manhole covers. But if you could tell us some of the movies and some of the adversaries that Godzilla had to wage battle with, I know you're looking your chops right there, Broadway Billy. You saw a whole bunch of them. I saw a whole bunch of them. I mean, I couldn't get enough Godzilla. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But imagine the, the deep sort of thought put into Godzilla. That this was the attack against us. Pearl Harvey was like waking up Godzilla and then he wreaked death and destruction on Japan. That was, I, I never really even thought of that. Never even thought of that. Incredible. And all the different types of Godzilla movies that they were. Not all of them made in Japan. Many of them eventually made uh, in other countries and especially here in the United States. Absolutely great. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Billy in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy. Yes, Billy. Raymond Burr worked for the Associated Press in that movie, I believe. Ah, the Associated Press now. How old were you when you first saw that Godzilla movie, Billy? Uh, nine, maybe ten years old. And what did you think at that moment? Well, Godzilla was the coolest thing ever, man. I was so, I was so scared that Godzilla lost the Mothra. That was like a heartbreaker as a kid. You know? That's, that's Godzilla right. Got, like, Godzilla got swapped by all the... That stuff they spray, what do you call it? The web or whatever? Yeah, well, uh, you know, he would breathe fire. Remember, he would breathe like that nuclear fallout on his enemies. But you're right, that atomic heat beam. Remember how he would just open up his mouth and that... Mothra sprayed all that crap on him and he got killed. Remember with the two little midget Japanese ladies? No, you see, that one I'm not too hip on. I'm one, I'm hip on the Godzilla battling King Kong and King Kong yeah, versus Godzilla. Yeah, that, that was a really good movie. Really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying in Japan, Godzilla won, but in the American version, King Kong won. What? I believe. What? I, I believe that's the truth. Yeah, that's the way it goes. In Japan, Godzilla won. In the Japanese version and in the American version, King Kong won. Wow. They actually had two different outcomes. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Just to make a buck. And remember, Godzilla had that very distinctive roar, you know, when he would start making the noise before he would send out that. I got that from actual animals, I think. You think so? I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not, not sure which animals it is. Maybe it's like... Wild birds or something, but or some kind of wild animal from the jungle. Yeah, they got that from a real animal. But I found well, that we, I found that Godzilla's size were like inconsistent. In one movie, he was one size; another movie, a different size. There was not the consistency of size, which hey bothered me uh, from time to time. What about Son of Godzilla? You ever remember that one? Son of Godzilla. That's right. Oh, that was a little goofy, but that was yeah. that, that was so good. And Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. Man, there was so many yeah. good Godzilla films. What about Godzilla vs. Rodan? Right, Rodan. That's right, the flying uh, monster. 
like a pterodactyl, a giant pterodactyl. Like, did he win that one or lose that one? I forget. I don't know. Uh, oftentimes, Rodan would knock him down. He'd sort of jab him from behind. Remember how Godzilla would be standing there and Rodan? Rodan was sort of like the uh, predecessor of a stealth flight. Remember, you couldn't hear Rodan coming until Rodan had hit you and already passed you. Yeah. Those were such good movies. And they just kept yeah. coming. They just kept. They used to show them on Thanksgiving, like every Thanksgiving. Yeah. They have like a festival. Yeah, they would have a 24-hour Godzilla festival, but it would always start with a classic one, the first one with Raymond Burr. Yeah. That was so good. Good movie. Oh, man, the memories uh, that you brought back to me, Billy, the memories, especially during holiday times. He's right, Billy. During a holiday time like Christmas and New Year's, it would run these um, movie, uh, nonstop uh, movie channels in which they would play all Godzilla. All Godzilla. Let's go to David in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. Gentlemen, I just about spoke for what I was about to say. I remember Rodan almost like I was a part of it. He was feeding on giant, uh, like caterpillar creatures or whatever that was in a volcano until he got big enough and ended up having a mate at the end. And one stayed next to, excuse me, if I get emotional on it. Um, wait, wait, wait. You're getting uh, emotional about Godzilla, the Godzilla movies? No, Rodan. Oh, Rodan. A historic, paradoxical flying bird. He can fly so fast he doesn't touch the ground, but he can pick a bus up in the air. And I thought of that as the SR-71 Blackbird many years later to fly over Iran or Iraq. That way there we can pick up the people that want to destroy the United States. Fly very low, and the vacuum behind created by the aircraft could actually suck everything behind it up in the air. And then stall and just drop them down on the ground and keep on moving. No, you're, you're absolutely right, Rodan. Like I said, the predecessor to uh, the stealth bombers that we see now, you wouldn't know that Rodan was there until after he had passed you by. It was like the sonic boom. Let's go to Chris in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Is that me? Yes, Chris in Suffolk. Uh, my mistake. I remember seeing uh, Godzilla for the first time on the old Chiller Theater on WPIX. Oh, that's right, Chiller Theater. Yeah. The, the way, way before the hand coming out of the lagoon. Uh, they, they changed the intro to the Chiller Theater. It was the original intro, and they used to show all the Godzilla movies, the Frankenstein movies, and one of my favorites was The Thing from Another World. But there was Rodan and all the different Godzillas. But, uh, yeah, Raymond Burr was the, the first one on the old Chiller Theater. That was the best, best show with Zachary. Remember Zachary? Yes, yes, yes. But I, I will tell you that first movie that I saw on the uh, Million Dollar Movie, well, I saw five back-to-back, uh, -back, belly to belly all five nights at the same time the Godzilla movie was on. And I got to tell you, I was riveted, riveted, especially by that uh, young scientist who was wearing the eye patch, remember? 
was trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, trying to figure out what to do, uh, how to take out he Godzilla. Was, he, he was doing the experiments, underwater experiments. Yeah. And uh, he had the eye patch on, and he was talking. And I liked the the way they uh, they they sub like they dubbed it. He was talking. It seemed like it, what he was saying and uh, what was coming out of his mouth didn't sync up right away. No, no, you're right. And then you would see like the jets in the air, the Japanese jets. You could see the you could see the wires, uh, and the you could see the and the music. Oh, when you first see Godzilla coming out of the water, the music was so ominous. Yeah. That's what made it very scary for an 8-year-old or a 9-year-old, you know. And another movie that was really good, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Oh, yeah, The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Let's go to Chris in Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Hey, hey, what's up, buddy? The Godzilla Raw. The original one that they used for years was made from a leather glove coated in pine tar that they would rub down along a double base and they would make that noise. That's how they made that. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, that was the original noise. They would take it, cover, and then they would just go down like that. They would scrape it down the double base. And also, too, do you remember Thanksgiving? Every Thanksgiving, they would do uh, a marathon of Godzilla movies. That's right. Godzilla movies. And then you would hear every time Godzilla would pick his leg up and smash it down, they had that sound. You knew that Godzilla was coming, even if you couldn't see him. Yeah. yeah. The best, the, the one that I used to laugh in the 70s, that's what I used to watch. I'm, I'm 58 in a couple of days. Was uh, the, the funny, great ones were like in the 70s, or late 60s, early 70s, when he was kind of like... Uh, he was a good Godzilla, and they had the best one was Godzilla versus Megalon, where Godzilla actually does karate. <laughs> <laughs> he had so many battles, Godzilla. It's incredible, but you're right. He first functioned as an evil destroyer, and then he developed more, I would say, traits of being there for all of humanity, so that when he would take on these other monsters... He would be the good guy. It's almost like if you follow boxing, George Foreman, when he first started to box in the Olympics, he came out of what I call Job Corps, a.k.a. Job Jail from Houston. Everybody loved George Foreman. Then when he became a professional boxer, they hated him. Then when he all of a sudden uh, he developed the, uh, the grill, the George Foreman grill, and he was a pastor in Houston, they loved him. Then when he came back, he made a comeback into boxing as a senior boxer. They loved him. But that, that was sort of the life and times of Godzilla, love-hate relationship with Godzilla. I take them uh, every time these ones come out, uh, 2014, 2019, and then a year ago when they had the Godzilla, I take about, uh, about 10 of I, – I take my daughter and about 10 of my nieces and nephews, and we all go. We all make a big thing of it. We love it. We're like huge Godzilla fans. Oh, you and me and a whole world out there that loves – Godzilla. 1-800-848-9222. This is another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Mm-hmm. 
think about it, going from Otani to Yamamoto to Sarah O, oh, the Babe Ruth of Japanese baseball, who I got to meet, and uh, Fukioma, Fukioda, I'm mispronouncing it, no doubt about that. And to Tom Selleck and Mr. Baseball. And then finally into Godzilla. Before we go back to the Godzilla calls, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, give me a little bit of Tom Selleck and Mr. Baseball, if you could. Want to hear a little bit of that? I love that movie. Tom Selleck in the movie uh, Baseball. Elliot's really struggling up there, Ralph. I know I haven't exactly been raking the ball lately. Word is, he could be traded north. It's not Canada. Or west. No, say it's not Cleveland. But the smart money says he's headed east. We got a call from a manager in... Far east. There's no way I'm going to play in Japan. Welcome to Japan, Mr. Baseball. What do you think of our country? The airport's nice, and there's lots of little people walking and talking very fast. Have you slept with Madonna? What is this? Practice. We're not athletes. We're baseball players. This is your manager. Must shave mustache. Probably can't even grow one. He's learning their ways. What's next? Somebody gonna tell me how to go to the can? Hey Max, I need somebody to tell me how to go to the can. Uh, they'll warm up after a season or two. Well, I don't plan to be here that long. They're learning his ways. Jack's way, always making jokes. Do the hokey pokey! I turn yourself around! Baseball's a game. Games are supposed to be fun. No offense, I don't eat bait. We have business to discuss. Really not much of a bath guy. I'll be damned. In any language, it's a whole new ball game. Well, you know, I'm just having so much fun already. Shoot the girl! Nice speech, coach. Gave me goosebumps. Give me a little kamikaze. Give me a little bonsai. Wake up in here. Tom Selleck. Fantastic. You got that right. Mr. Baseball. Here you go. Collect him, trade him. And no sitting on my face. Great movie. Great movie, ladies and gentlemen. And now, role reversals. Otani here for the L.A. Dodgers. Joined by Yamamoto, over a billion dollars spent for both stars from Japan. Obviously, Otani pitches and hits very similar to what Babe Ruth did uh, almost a century ago. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Tom in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tom. Hey, good morning. Yeah, um, there's one person that, that nobody has mentioned yet, that flying turtle, Gamera. Ah, that's right, Gamera. Remember? The, and he was actually, uh, the character was a good character, I believe, Gamera. And uh, it was kind of funny how he would fly through the air. And then I think fire would come out of his, where his legs would pop out. I think fire, and that's how he propelled himself, I think. That's and right, and, and Gamera was considered a good monster. A good guy. And I think he actually had uh, his own short uh, series, I think. 
Um, what's cool is my ex-wife's cousin, who, who's older now, he's got to be in his late 60s, and uh, my son now is 20. And when my son was like 5, 10, he was you, very much into Godzilla. I mean, like, he lived for that stuff, you know? So, I mean, when he was playing, like, soccer, running up and down the field, I would just yell, who's Godzilla? He yelled back, I am. And he, wow! He about the soccer ball and run the kid off the ball, <laughs> you know. But uh, but my um, my ex wifes second cousin gave my son years ago all these uh, uh, videos. Uh, I guess he had them done, and they're old Godzillas, like black and white, and they're from Japan, and they're all Japanese. The word and it's English subtitle, and a lot of them, from what I understand, are pretty rare. And he still watches them to this day, you know. Um, you know, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, the only thing, as a boy, I mean, I'm 59 now, so I remember watching them. I mean, as soon as I could practically walk, you know, black and white. And I remember the Raymond Burr one very well. And um, but what kind of turned me off a little bit about Godzilla was when he had his son, and his son was like a little baby guy, and it looked so goofy, you know, it looked like a mutant turtle. And and it would blow cigarette rings instead of fire. So and, you didn't like Godzilla and his son, little baby Godzilla. No, no, that one. That one, I think, I was like, ah, this is like going, getting corny now. Because Godzilla used to be kind of serious, you know, when it first started. And then, it, they, like I said, they were drifting more into humor. And, and you know, as, as the series was progressing. And, you know, and then, like, you know, they had the, you know, his his kid was with him going, and the kid was the baby Godzilla was was goofy, and he, I guess he was like trying to teach you how to blow fire or that that whatever, and and the the thing would puff cigarette. It was like cigarettes, cigarette smoke. <laughs> I remember that circles out of his mouth when I, he was trying to blow fire. Right, I remember that. But you're right. What a departure from the first Godzilla, who just would eye fornicate and stare. And you knew he was just out to wreak death and destruction. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and I always thought, like what that guy said with like the lathering of the gloves. See, I always thought it was steel doors. Mm. Like and they did it in like a very large room with steel rusty doors. And they would open and close them. And you know, like where the echo would just make those noises. I thought it was always like a type of steel, like corroded, that would make these kind of noises. Almost like a ship, like you know, like a large battleship coming down, like the the slides or something, you know, like going into the ocean, just sliding. You know, I, I always thought it was that type of a noise, you know. So. Well, I will, I will definitely uh, try and, to the best of my ability, tie together all the different Godzilla movies. I think there were about thirty-three in total. All the different monsters that he battled or befriended. Maybe uh, in an upcoming show, The Other Side of Midnight, which I take it from uh, 12 midnight to 6, we're in the midst of this Saturday morning, and then so nice to suits, let me do it twice on Sunday morning from 12 to 6, that we will have our own Godzilla Mothra extravaganza, Godzilla taking on King Kong, Rodan... Oh, those are classic movies. You can watch them over and over and never get tired of them. Never get tired of them. But that first one, 
with Raymond Burr and you hear the pounding of him stomping away after wreaking death and destruction in the Bay of Tokyo. There's nothing that can ever, ever supersede what had to be one of the greatest movies made of all time, the original Godzilla. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Decided to play the pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson, who performed the theme song of the film Ben in 1972. The song also included on his 1972 album of the same. Well, it's not the music, it's not the song Ben. But I believe I saw it briefly, not the whole thing, but wasn't Joseph Campanelli in that? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure some of you devotees, some of you movie moguls, saw the classic Ben about the rat. And wasn't Joseph Campanella in that? If I remember correctly, Ben becomes the guy's best friend, the boy in the movie, protecting him from bullying and keeping his spirits up in the face of a heart condition. Then Ben forms an army of deadly rodents while the police attempt to control him. Remember? And anybody out there remember the, uh, the whole story of Ben, the full length movie about a rat and not a two legged rat like, uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano? Ben. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The reason, though, we're bringing uh, Ben, uh, the theme song, here up to the forefront on the 50,000 powerful watts of sound that can be heard in these wee hours of the morning in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, 
And right on down to Davy Jones's locker. You can hear it crystal clear on your downloaded WABC app on your smartphone, iPhone, and of course on the uh, stream that you get on your laptop and your worktop computer all over the world. This is a global entity. But I would be remiss if I did not discuss with all of you the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens who decided to blame rats as the big reason for New York's New Yorkers fleeing New York State in droves. That's right. Eric Adams, in his year-end review, decided to blame rats as the big reason for New Yorkers fleeing the state in droves. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, are the rats the main reason that people are fleeing from the state of New York, or are there other things of greater importance? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. at 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to the audio tape. It was just 24 hours ago that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, said that rats are why people are leaving New York. There's a perfect storm of reasons that cities are losing their population. And at one time, you may have lost, you know, 20,000 here, 15,000 here. But now when you start to add up all of those dynamics, it's a different uh, way of life. And some people who have children and families uh, decide they want to go to a place uh, where their children can play outdoors, uh, larger green spaces. You want to see animals. You don't, you don't see too many animals but rats in New York. And so, you know, so they, they're, there's a combination of, of things. And we're getting rid of those rats, by the way. So, in fact, is that true, ladies and gentlemen? This mass exodus that continues. Within the past year, 100,000 people alone left New York State is the result, says Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, says they're leaving New York because of the rats. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But what I think I'm in need of is an injection, Broadway Billy, to get my sort of injection of Eric Adams talking about how he hates rats. Yes, talking about how he hates rats. I hate rats. Rats, rats, rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. Let me tell you how scared I am of rats. The rats may be listening. I'm terrified of rats. All of you are scared of rats, too. I had a real rat infestation. Rats are everywhere. We were feeding rats. Those rats use it as perfume. Trust me, you got rats. We were creating an environment where rats felt comfortable. See one scurrying down the block. We want to get rid of rats. We're going to kill rats. Kill some rats. I'm killing rats. Called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Kill rats. And you see a rat and say, okay, you guys fail. The guy blackmailed me. He said, I know you're scared of rats. Rats do not run the city. Rats don't run our city. You can be the rats off. Fighting crime, fighting Fighting inequality and fighting rats. Fighting rats. If you're not scared of rats, you are. You are really. You're my hero. Ha! That should be me. Broadway Billy. I want to hear that one more time. I want to hear that. The panoply of reasons that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, fears rats. I hate 
Rats. 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 I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. I hate rats. Let me tell you how scared I am of rats. The rats may be listening. I'm terrified of rats. All of you are scared of rats, too. I had a real rat infestation. Rats are everywhere. We were feeding rats. Those rats use it as perfume. Trust me, you got rats. We were creating an environment where rats felt comfortable. See one scurrying down the block. We want to get rid of rats. We're going to kill rats. Kill some rats. Killing rats. Called me a murderer because I was killing rats. Kill rats. And you see a rat and say, okay, you guys fail. The guy blackmailed me. He said, I know you're scared of rats. Rats do not run the city. Rats don't run our city. You can be the rats off. Fighting crime, fighting inequality, and fighting rats. Fighting rats. If you're not scared of rats, you are, you are really, you're my hero. I should have been his hero because I'm not frightened by rats, four-legged rats or two-legged rats. I'm nocturnal like rats are. They operate mostly uh, in the dark. I had often uh, free of charge uh, to be the rats are of New York City. Eric Adams cold me, uh, turned me down cold. And I would have done a much better job than the Tsarina he has now, a woman of no consequence. It is a big problem, but I can tell you it's not the reason that people are leaving the city nor the state. It has nothing to do with rats. A contributing factor in some instances, maybe. The main factor, no. No, 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 no. Affordable housing, taxes, quality of life, lack of a good education, uh, so many other contributing factors. Crime as to why people are picking up and moving out. It record numbers, even superseding the exodus from gruesome Newsom's California. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I remember, after I had offered my services to Eric Adams to be the rat czar, he basically announced last year, this time, in his State of the City address, that there was no chance that Sliwa would be the rat czar in his administration. And pretty soon... Commissioner Tish, they're going to hate me. <laughs> Hiring our new rat czar, and it won't be Curtis Saliba, will be just the beginning of a new era in delivering the best in public service and public spaces. That was a year ago. It would have served him well if I were the rat czar. Again, it wouldn't have cost the taxpayers not a nickel, dime, and penny. I would have done it late at night when the rats are frolicking. And you uh, can never beat the rats. You can have detente with them. You can try to limit the kind of access they have. And basically, it's almost like having an understanding. You come out at night. You forage for your food. Uh, rat generally lives about one year, one and a half, two years, the max. And in that period of time, a female rat can have nine litters. Uh, start to quantify that. Start to do your multiplication tables. Nine litters at about eight to ten little baby rats per litter. You have a hell of a lot of rats after one year, so maybe the mama rat and uh, father rat, they die off. You can end up with uh, close to a hundred rats to replace them. And then they'll basically live a cycle of about one, one and a half years, two years max. Let's go to the phones if we can, Jimmy D., Who's calling? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hey, Curtis, what's happening? So, Curtis, two things. 
The first thing is, um, George Siegel made a movie many years ago called King Rat. Do you remember that one? No, no. Dad, tell us about it. Well, George Siegel was in the military, and uh, my recall on that is that he let some rats go on the hierarchy. But if you didn't see it, that's one thing. But the next thing is, I have a song for you to play if you want to, which is a very cool, groovy song. That would be When You Defeat Eric Adams. This song will be very appropriate. It was by a very, very mysterious group in 1966 called Question Mark and the Mysterians. And when you beat him this next election, you could play 96 Tears because that's what he's going to be crying when you're up there looking down. I like that. 96 Tears. First, I got to beat him. Uh, let's see if he survives getting through his four years in office to run for re-election because he's on the precipice of possibly being taken in chains and shackles to the big house and locked up for political corruption. Instead of going where he thought he would go as the new face of the Democratic Party uh, in the future, become uh, the second black president of the United States uh, and occupy 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. We know that ain't happening. Let's go to Lois, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lois. Yeah, hi, Curtis. This is my first time calling you. I listen to you all the time, but I'm afraid to call. You know, that's just not me. But anyway, I am livid. I'm ready to get the hell out of New York. I really am. Thursday, I wanted to go and finish my shopping. So I get off. I live on 34th Avenue. I have to walk all the way up to Junction Boulevard, take a train. I have a, a senior citizen's metro card. When I get up to the station, I check my card. I have just enough money to get to Flushing, where Macy's is. So I look around. I said, well, maybe I'll put some money on my card now. None of the machines at Junction Boulevard are working. They all have out of order, or you can just use those um Omni cards, which I don't have. So I use my card and I go into Flushing. When I get off the train, and now I have no money left on my card, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six uh, machines out of order and only one machine working. And the line was all the way up the block, all the way up the steps. I said to myself, you know, as I was um, looking around, because I didn't know what was happening, I thought something, somebody had gotten hurt. And people were online, like sheep, just waiting there to fill their cards with this one machine. The machine on the other, opposite side of the, of, the, of the station, both of them, the machines were open, and there were two uh, men. One was standing guard there while the other man was trying to fix the machine. So I went over to him, and I said, what is going on here? Why are all these machines broken? He says, ma'am, um, I, I don't know. And I said, I said, this is ridiculous. Mayor Adams should be fired. And then I started talking to him, and I said, look, I don't blame young folks for jumping over the turnstiles. You can't put no money on your card. And let's face it, in Flushing, everybody uses cash. And they're not using those hackable machines where you put your card in. Oh, no, no doubt, no doubt, Lois. But uh, you cannot blame Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, for the lack of working machines in the subway system. 
Uh, that's the work of the MTA, money-taking agency. They love to take your money and not give you any service in return. By the way, that reminds me. I thought the token booth clerks were supposed to get out of their token booths and become station agents, go out, help customers who may have a difficult time uh, working those uh, machines, especially tourists and visitors. I always see them in their little uh, bulletproof uh, bunker there, fireproof bunker. I never see them walking the platforms. They're supposed to be station agents. Whatever happened to that? Does anybody know what happened to that? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Howard, who's calling from Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howard. Hi, Curtis. How you doing? I know you don't like to hear that very often. I speak, I know about rats. How do you know about rats? I read about them. The rats, Rattus Norvegicus is their Latin name. And what did you learn about them, reading about them? Like you said, they're very prolific. They breathe like crazy. They breathe like rats. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you learn in reading about them? They pop, They take advantage of garbage. It's very important that the garbage be collected in the area where you live. There have been garbage strikes in New York, as you well know, and rats love that situation. Oh, no doubt. Now, uh, there's so much garbage now because uh, the mayor has cut back on the uh, – times that sanitation workers can work no overtime, that it's just a seething pile of garbage at times that just keeps mounting and mounting wherever you find a trash basket that's out there for the general public's use. Uh, other people will take uh, the trash basket and put their own private trash in it. They used to have the sanitation inspectors who would check, and if they found that private garbage was being put in there, they'd they find that person and find them, but there's none of that at all. They're like uh, rats everywhere because of the garbage. Yeah, I believe San Francisco was known for its cleanliness. They are very good at doing things like that. Well, that was then, but it ain't now. If you go to San Francisco, the uh, Tenderloin, the Lower Tenderloin, you go to Bodecker, Park, you go to Turk and Taylor, that whole area of the mission, it is just a sea of flotsam and jetsam and trash and drug users and drug dealers and drug paraphernalia and uh, human feces and urine and uh, it's a horror. It's a horror. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy G in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Yeah, I just wanted to mention something about the MTA and the rats in the MTA, the the four-legged rats, the two-legged rats. Uh, it's it's it has a lot to do, I believe, with this whole MTA campaign called the Fair Fairs. Uh, are you familiar with that? No, explain that to me, Jimmy. Well, the the fair affairs, man, I mean, it, it talked about how certain individuals, you know, should not be paying full price on the MTA. 
they should be paying a reduced fare, and I can understand that. You know, some people are, are not as well off, but I think that fair fares idea is a failure because the only fair fare for some people is is free, is no fare. And today I saw something that I've never seen before, and that is, um, you know, five middle-class-looking white kids with backpacks just jumping the turnstile in the middle of Times Square. And that's something I've never seen before. So now you have people who can pay full fare. Yep. Like the the caller you just mentioned, you know, they try hard to pay their, their fare. But now, even 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 people like myself, I'm like, through this, man. When that door is open, I'm walking through myself. Uh, that's that's the problem with fair fares. It it just backfires. Um, you know, everyone should be expected to pay the same fare. And uh, if 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 everyone isn't treated the same then, you know, nothing is fair. So I just wanted to to share that point of view. Uh, no, no. In fact, uh, Jimmy, uh, there's a station, Sufton Boulevard, on the E-train. Before you reach Jamaica Avenue, last stop, where the train to the plane, you can hook up to that. Uh, and uh, they put in all kinds of new gadgetry. They call it new uh, fair doors which prevent uh, any more than one person coming in at any given time and it will stop fair evasion the other day they had 28 people come through one of those uh, fair fair doors it took people all of one week to figure out the weakness in the system the achilles heel in the system that would enable them to swipe their metro card one time and then let 28 people in that's all it takes. They figured it out within less than a week. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sheldon, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sheldon. Yeah, hi, Curtis. Uh, I have something scarier than Godzilla and the rats. There was this film in the 60s, Village of the Damned, and there were these blonde-haired, well-mannered children with glowing eyes that spoke with British accents, and they were from another planet. And it was the job of George Sanders to stop them and and save the world, which he ended up doing. You remember that film? No, no. Tell me more about it. Well, uh, you know, the, the, these kids were um, very polite. And and very cooperative. They were like overly polite, like so that that might have been a giveaway, but they were really diabolical. You know, they they were from another planet, and they wanted to destroy Earth. And and uh, that distinguished British actor George Sanders, um, it, it was his job to stop them. And uh, uh, you know, like he, he set up. There was some kind of like explosive uh, device and kind of, you know, killed these perfectly well-mannered children who wanted to destroy the earth. Mm. That that much uh, I had not uh, grabbed, that's for sure. I had not weaned that from that movie. Let's go to Lou in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. 
Yes, Curtis, it's just not the fair jumpers. Um, I've been taking the Long Island Railroad to Hicksville from New Hyde Park for like 17 years now to visit my aunt, three, four, five times a year. And it's at least 51 trips just by 17 years, three times a year. I swear I've had my ticket punched five times. And these are all on mostly holidays, uh, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas. That's when I visit her. And I'm telling you, it's not more than a hand, one handful that I had my ticket punched. And the trains are usually pretty empty on these holidays, mm. Mm. you know, except for Thanksgiving. You had all the people coming back from the city. Right. And I'm talking, you know, the trains are empty and no conductors ever walk through and check for tickets or punched your ticket. Now, what line uh, have you generally uh, uh, recognized that? New Hyde Park to Hicksville. Hmm. I know the, uh, almost never have you had your your MTA ticket punched by a conductor. Never. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just the basic man. Three times a year is 51 trips in 17 years. And I'm telling you, five times I can really remember that my ticket was punched. Yeah, wow. It was great for me. Great for me because the ticket was good for 90 days. Right. So when the next holiday rolled around or it was a birthday or something, I had a free ticket. Sheesh. And uh, multiply what your situation is uh, tenfold. And, boy, that's why you're in such a pickle, MTA, money-taking agency, in wanting more and more of our money. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. When the sun beats down and burns the tar up on the roof And your shoes get so hot you wish your tired feet were fireproof I'm I'd go into the boardwalk in Coney Island before Superstorm Sandy when they piled all the piled all the sand underneath to prevent 
any more encroachment of the water from uh, the sea into the streets of Coney Island and into the nearby public housing projects, you'd go underneath the boardwalk. My God, especially at night, there'd be rats all over the place. Dope fiends shooting up, needles, guys fornicating and uh, copulating with women and sometimes with themselves and other guys. Man, you didn't know what you were running into under the boardwalk in Coney Island. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And it's not just limited to Eric Adams, who is scared of rats. More importantly, of late, two-legged rats in City Hall that have been dropping dime on him to the U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District, who may end up prosecuting him for political corruption because of that. But Neon Dion Sanders... Right? You would think, Mr. Old World, what, he played at Florida State? Offense, defense, he played baseball for the Yankees, other teams. One of the few guys ever to play professionally, both football and baseball, and then went on to become uh, the uh, coach of Colorado after leaving, I think it was Jackson State. Pretty sure Jackson State and... Uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Almost positive it was Jackson State. Uh, I stand to be corrected. It wasn't Grambling. I don't think it was Grambling. But anyway, he went on to uh, be the coach of the Colorado Bisons. And who knew? He's terrified of rats. Sitting in my desk, man, my own business, trying to prepare for the day. And I just need you to know, like, next to Devin Hester, I probably was the best punt returner in the history of the game. Devin Hester is the best punt returner, kick returner in the history of the game. It should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's a whole nother argument. What I'm trying to say is I have tremendous vision. So I'm looking this way, and I can see out of my peripheral something look at me like, what's up? And I look down, I made eye contact, and it's over. It's over. I'm early, really early. I come in early. But I need to wait till everybody get in because they're going to have somebody come in here and take all these shoes and take everything out of this office because I made eye contact with a mouse. We called it a rat. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't big enough to be a rat, but it was a mouse. Scared. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't live like this. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. I cannot live like this. So help is going to be on the way today. One of us got to go. Also, when I said we coming, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't mean that. I ain't mean all of us. I ain't, I ain't, I, Mom, we, we, we left that at 1625 minutes and four miles. I ain't, I ain't doing this. I can't, I can't live like this. I don't deserve this. I deserve much better than this. I, I ain't doing it. Some, somebody, somebody better call somebody to take care of that, that, that somebody. Got me in his kid. I'm a grown man. That's Neon Neon Sanders, terrified of what he called mouse slash rat. What the hell is this? Eric Adams, terrified of rats. Neon Sanders. Neon Neon Sanders, terrified of rats. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Then there was Cardi B going off on Eric Adams. 
and talking about rats. It'll come. There's going to be an $120 million budget cut with schools, with libraries, and the cops, and the police department, and a $5 million budget cut in sanitation. Of a budget cut in sanitation. Bitch, we're going to be drowning with rats. We're going to be drowning in rats. Now let me get this straight. Eric Adams talking about rats. Neon Dion Sanders talking about rats. Cardi B talking about rats. Bitch, I'm scared. Maybe there is reason to believe that, as Eric Adams said, the reason that over 100,000 people fled New York State was because of rats? I don't think so. See if we can go back to that. Uh, it's a perfect storm of reasons that cities are losing their population. And at one time, you may have lost... You know, 20,000 here, 15,000 here. But now when you start to add up all of those dynamics, it's a different uh, way of life. And some people who have children and families uh, decide they want to go to a place uh, where their children can play outdoors, uh, larger green spaces. You want to see animals. You don't see, you don't see too many animals but rats in New York. And so, you know, so they're, they're, there's a combination of, of things. And we're getting rid of those rats, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, you you keep thinking that, Butch. You keep thinking that you're getting rid of those rats, Eric Adams, not the two-legged rats that are closing in on you at City Hall, nor the four-legged rats that you're terrified of. Let's go to CC in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, CC. Hey, hey, thanks a lot, man. Um, Yeah, I I didn't get the connection between um the rats and Village of the Dam. You, you, from, you sound like you're not real familiar with Village of the Dam. What's the connection? How did those two come together? Because it was a good movie. No, I don't, I don't know. Ted. You saw the movie. Explain to us what the premise of the movie was, CC. Okay, he told you about, he told you about part two. Um, he mentioned Village of the Dam, some cataclysmic thing. A, a meteor hits the earth, and everybody gets hit with radiation in this small little town. And the movie ends somewhere along there, and then you see part two. Part two is with um, not George Reeves, but you 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 know Christopher Christopher Reeves, right? Yes, yes. But uh, you take me back a blast of the past, George Reeves, the old Superman who committed suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the following name on that was George, was Christopher Reeves. He played Superman. I think there was a connection between the two. I'm not. I don't really know, but. The guy brought up on um, Village of the Dam. Christopher Reeves played the hero in part two. Part two, the guy explained to you about the children with the glowing eyes and the blonde hair. That was called Children of the Dam. So you came to find out that um, that meteor that hit the earth and caused all this radiation, it produced these kids with superpowers, super brains. Mm. And yeah, yeah. And Christopher Reeves, not Christopher, yeah, Christopher Reeves, he had to outsmart them and save the world by give, building within himself a mental block because they could they could hear, they could see, think everything that you think, you couldn't hide nothing from them. So he, he made himself think of a brick wall. And through the whole movie, they could not pierce his, mem- his, his mind and figure what's this brick wall about, what's going on. So he blocked them out. And he outmaneuvered them, and he managed to get them into a secluded little area, and he blew them off the face of the earth. 
That's Village of the Dam with the kids with the blonde hair. It was an awesome, awesome movie. Village, well, no, that's uh, right. I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a CC. I'm gonna have to check that out. Once Nancy is feeling better, maybe over this holiday at some point we can do that. Man, we're like into movies heavy, heavy to the break of dawn, and that's good. That's good because people learn a lot from movies, more and more increasingly, younger and younger people, if they're going to learn anything about history or events or things that are of relative importance, uh, unfortunately, they don't read books. They watch movies. Anyway, let's go to uh, Cowboy in Tucson. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Cowboy. Hey, Feliz Navidad. And Merry Christmas to you. Out here, uh, you were talking about rats and Deion Sanders. <laughs> Prime time. I tell you what, there, Curtis. I, I got a little ranch outside of Tucson, five acres. I'm running horses. And my neighbors down the way, they uh, they got rid of their I Love Lucy trailer, and they picked in, uh, and then they cleared uh, their back acre, and, and a bunch of rats come over to my property. And I at night I'm sleeping, and I hear all this little pitter patter, and what the heck is that? And then in the morning you start seeing these droppings, and it's like, oh man, I got rats. Oh man! So I set out some traps, and bait them with peanut butter, and and one month, and then I got a Ruger 1022, and one month I killed 70, 72 rats. My goodness, man. I'm just throwing them over the back acre. And the coyotes and the hawks, they love, I mean, they just love that stuff. But I tell you what, it's they're nasty. Out here in Arizona, up in the Navajo Nation, up in the Four Corners, they got hepervirus. And a lot of the Navajos, they uh, they die of that stuff. When when you go into a in certain property and stuff, you got to wear a mask. I mean, you, I mean, you got to wear a mask. Because that heifer virus will, will take you down. And it's like, what the heck? But I tell you what, Curtis, I mean, these. And then my neighbors to the to the north of me, they, they moved to Yuma. And they left their cat. Who does that, Curtis? So that at night, this cat comes over and it starts meowing, meowing. And I say, what the heck is it? That's a cat. So I give it some tuna fish. And then the next day, it, it's... It's meowing, meowing. I was like, what the heck? This tuna fish is getting crazy. That's that's expensive. So one of my neighbors, he said, go go buy some cat food at Fry's Kroger. So so I bought some cat food, and I I give it a little bit because you don't want to feed it too much because it it'll get the critters. So so now it's been it's been with me of like almost two years. It's, it's living under my. Uh, carport by my hay i got a hay pile in the in the carport that's where i keep my hay for my horses and my, let me tell you something i don't have no rats <laughs> uh, between that female cat and my uh ruger 1022 brother so, so anyhow we're getting some good rain right now and we're two hours behind you so all that rain coming in from california is hitting southern arizona and i tell you what we're being invaded down in lukeville I mean, they're coming. They're ten thousand a day, Curtis. And uh, you know what? They're not stopping in Tucson. They're going up north. So God bless you, brother. 
You got it. Hold the hold it down there in Tucson. Hold it down there. But you see, he's got a female cat, and he keeps all the rats at bay. Before that, he had a luger. He'd be shooting them, throwing them over the wall for the coyotes. And who else? Uh, forget some other species that was like tearing into those rats, the hawks. And now he's just got the cat. The cat is underneath the car carport. It's obviously a feral cat. It's an outdoor cat. And he doesn't have a rat problem. He don't need to use that luger on the rats. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Kathy in East Village. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kathy. Hi, Curtis. One thing about the village of the dam, what happened was in this village, everybody became unconscious for hours. Like everybody, animals were passed out. The people in this alien force impregnated all the women in the village. And that's where the children all came out from, from that. That was the best part of it. The mass impregnation. Anyway. Mass impregnation. Um, yeah, they all got pregnant at the same time. There were women whose husbands weren't even around. They were, it was like a mess, you know, and they all came born into this uh, alien thing. Um, but rats, uh, have you seen the documentary? I think it was Morgan Spurlock's like two hour documentary called Rats. No, no, I haven't seen that. You would like that. I, it's been years since I've seen it, but. It you know it's uh, it goes from the exterminator and then it goes all through the city and people who catch the rats and in places and fields and they eat them and sell them to people who cook in the restaurants. It's just uh, interesting documentary rats. Okay, and one other thing is um, I go to the uh, Tompkins Park to feed the sparrows. Um, and one day I'm sitting there, and I felt something next to me, and I looked over, and there was a squirrel, a rat, and a squirrel, all next to each other waiting to be fed by me. Right, so yeah. a squirrel, a rat, and another squirrel. Yeah, right next to me, and I sort of jumped up because I, I didn't expect that. And, uh, you know, and then one day I saw a, a hawk. I had my binoculars swooped right down behind me and, and got a rat, took it back up to the same tree limb, and just one poke, pulled out the entrails, and then just, like, let it lay there. Like, saw its tail and everything, just hanging out. Yeah, those are my rap stories. Wow. Well, that's, uh, you know, Flacco's job now, that owl, celebrity owl, who somebody had released from the Central Park Zoo when he cut the netting. All the uh, bird watchers, whoop-a-woo, whoop-a-woo, they were wearing their safari hats and their shorts, and having their binoculars thought for sure that Flacco would never be able to survive since, as a little chick, he had been hand-fed since uh, his birth in the Central Park Zoo. And guess what? He's been doing splendidly, feeding on rats and mice because he's nocturnal. I love owls. And recently, after spending a time in the Lower East Side, right where Kathy is, looking for love in all the wrong places... He's now about a block away from where I and Nancy and uh, our cats live. And apparently he's being accused of being a peeping Tom, looking into people's windows. No, he's not a peeping Tom. He's just looking for love in all the wrong places. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. W-A-B-C. This is... 
is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Jefferson Airplane, Gray Slick, White Rabbit. Let's go to Dan in Long Island. You're trying to be heard here at WABC, Danny. Yeah, Curtis, I got a solution or a suggestion for the rats. Are you should put a bounty on them. Instead of having like a bottle redemption center, you have the dead rat redemption center. And all the Huron addicts and the crackheads and the winos, you'd have an army of them. So they got money to get a next fix. And, he, you know, even the migrants could run around and get them, you know, for maybe 50 cents or a dollar a pop. I <laughs> have them cleaned up in no time. Wow. I've never even given thought to that. So basically, if they could go out and snatch up some rats. Yeah. It's like uh, it should be a rat redemption center. Yeah. Instead of seeing those guys with, like, Ten hefty bags on one shopping cart, you know, running down 10th Avenue. You'd see, uh, you know, some guy with the shopping cart with rats hanging over the side, you know, and buckets and bags. And he can go cash in his bounty, kind of like beaver pelts in the 1800s. Yeah, know? yeah, no, no. Hey, look, it's getting to that point because there are so many rats 
this mayor is just, you know, just completely spun a tail how there are less rats here. Look, you're picking up. Whatever they're, wa- whatever they're wasting their money on now, I mean, if you made that kind of incentive, but, you know, for someone who's got nothing to go out and make a buck, you know, if it'd be plentiful for them, they'd have the incentive to go out and make some money. No, you're right, Dan. You're right, because with all the garbage out there, they've cut the overtime. There's less garbage being picked up for the sanitation by the sanitation guys. Makes uh, a lot of sense. Let's go to Joe and Milford. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, uh, Curtis, um, I... Uh, uh, in the olden days, my whole family would sit around the TV. We, we would watch the million-dollar movie at, you know, the, the old TV with the rabbit ears and, and the aluminum on there, and it was covered with snow. But the whole family would be there, all seven kids, the mother, the father, the dogs, the cats, and we would watch the movie. But at the end, it was always uh, the, the – um, the music from uh, uh, Gone with the Wind with Tara's theme, and they would have different shots of all the bridges and buildings in New York City, the greatest city in the world the world has ever known. It's all ruined now. It's heartbreaking. But anyway, uh, I heard you say your wife was sick. I just wanted to say I hope everything is okay for you and her for Christmas. That, that's all I got. And God bless you. And uh, she's got the best program on that. that that channel. Yeah, the Animal Welfare, which will soon yeah. be nationally syndicated in the beginning of the year across the nation by John and Margot Katzmatidis, our parent company, Red Apple Media. So that's uh, soon coming. But I love that retrospective on the Million Dollar Movie. You could watch the same movie five nights in a row at the same time on Channel 9, the Million Dollar Movie. Let's go to Mike calling. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. My man, Curtis. Um, first of all, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Um, I've been listening to you for over 30 years. Okay. And uh, your middle guy, Carter, that's the name of my only grandchild's grandson, Carter. He's a little over two. Now, you know, th- th- this, this mayor wearing his $5,000 suit, he's a two-legged rat, and he needs to get his shine box. He couldn't shine his shoes, okay? He's being investigated for uh, Fugazi political contributions. Gee, what a surprise. And, you know, I'll tell you this, Curtis, I had many conversations with Bernard McGurk at the Long Beach Boardwalk, and um, uh, I've watched every minute of the funeral mass that would have been his 65th birthday. And you're a man that stands behind his words, Curtis, because every time I listen to your show, and I always listen, you know, um, it's dedicated uh, coming from Bernard McGurk Studios. And I told Bernie many times on the boardwalk, I can't stand that partner of yours. He's, uh, you know, Sid Rosenbaum, Rosenberg, whatever he is. He's a mama Luke, and uh, he's a bagel bender. You know, he's a bagel bender. What can I say? Ah, bagel bender. It's a lost start. Uh, bagel bending, Bialy bending, just a lost start. And then putting the schmear on that the illegal aliens say, oh, we don't want to eat that. You don't want to eat it? Tough nuggies, starve, or go back to your original country. 
Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Then I'm moving out. Alert, alert those of you in Staten Island, the rebels who have been uh, working with me to close migrant shelters on Staten Island. We've had the most luck of all in closing uh, brick and mortar migrant centers. But there was a sudden closure of a hotel on Staten Island, totally unexpected which was the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue. Now, in that vicinity, there are two other former hotels which have been uh, operated as migrant shelters. So the perception is, with no notification to the community, that by clearing out that one hotel, the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue, they're making way to put uh, illegal aliens in there. So we have to move quick. No doubt they're doing it because of the Christmas uh, time in which people are going to be together with family and friends and not really focused on this issue. Uh, but we can't let our guard down because this is the way the Adams administration may well be trying to uh, force uh, dozens more of I- illegal aliens to be living in hotels in uh, Staten Island over our dead body. That ain't going to be happening. That is not going to be happening. So I'll be giving you updates in about 24 hours. I'll certainly be reaching out and we'll be trying to do something. People are already milling about from the neighborhood who are saying, uh-oh, this has all the look, all the smell of uh, a retrofit from a normal motel uh, hotel to now a migrant center. Our numbers, if you happen to know anything about that, please give a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Maestro uh, Broadway Billy, if I could have a little bit more of that Billy Joel music because it sets the tone for what was a huge story this week. Statistics are in, and 102,000 people have left New York State permanently Most have gone to Florida, and uh, they're not coming back. They're not even coming back to visit. 
There's a wholesale exodus out of New York State going on between the city and the state. And Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb will have only herself to blame because it's interesting that when she had won the Democratic primary from uh, Tom Swazi to her right and uh, uh, Jumani Williams to her left to take on Tom Swazi, the, uh, excuse me, to take on uh, Lee Zeldin, the eventual winner of the very contested Republican primary for governor that existed between Lee Zeldin, um, Bob Astorino, Andrew Giuliani, and uh, uh, Harry Wilson. Boy, that was very contentious. Right out of the box, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb was basically telling everybody who didn't agree with her or wasn't going to vote for her to get the hell out of town. The fate of democracy in this country. That's what we're fighting for, my friends. We are fighting for democracy. We're fighting to bring government back to the people and out of the hands of dictators. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. And so notice, they were shipping people out of New York State to Florida and other states like Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. And the buses were coming about, uh, coming back filled with illegal aliens. That's her juxtaposition. That's how Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb explains it. Well, we lost uh, many people, but we gained new people. Yeah, right. Uh, likewise, with Eric Adams' swagger man with no plan, that's the way he's trying to explain the mass exodus that continues out of New York City, continues out of New York State. And yet he also says, well, look, for everyone that leaves, we got another one who stays, meaning an illegal alien, generally with basic uh, non-negotiable skills. But Eric Adams considers that to be a a fair trade-off, one-on-one. Do you view it that way, ladies and gentlemen? Our number is one 800 848 that's 1-800-848-WABC. But then when it comes to uh, illegal aliens being uh, shipped out of New York City, where at first Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb was sort of taking a wait-and-see attitude until a number of those uh, areas decided to either no longer receive illegal aliens from Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan in New York City, or just uh, send them away, like uh, we saw outside of Buffalo, uh, you had Cheektowaga, where uh, the two uh, no-tell motels were closed and the illegal aliens were sent back. And the University of Buffalo, where they had been housed for a summer in one of the uh, barracks, uh, they were told they were no longer welcome and they had to ship out and head back to New York City. Our number is one 800 Now, the mayor has insisted, though, that Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, the governor of the state of New York, should not only accept illegal aliens uh, who happen to uh, migrate into New York City and look to comp a squat and get three squares and all the amenities that they couldn't get into their country of origin. Uh, he wants Kathy Crimewave Holcomb to export, uh, to outsource these illegal aliens to other less, uh, less restricted and less populated areas of the state. Let's be very clear. You cannot... Involuntarily take people from the city 
and send them all over the state of New York. Putting someone in a hotel on a you know, dark, lonely road in upstate New York and telling them they're supposed to survive is not compassion. So here it is. You have Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb telling everybody to go to Florida if you don't like it, and they have. And then also on the flip side saying, uh, if any illegal aliens come from New York City, I no longer want Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, to uh, sort of reticket them, put them on the Greyhound, where they pound the Greyhound, and they go to another place somewhere in New York State. She doesn't want it anymore. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But um, she also started the uh, drumbeat on reparations, 40 acres and a mule. That has been spoken about in uh, some limited states, mostly California of late, across the nation, Massachusetts, uh, very uh, blue areas, not in red areas. And then Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb started to discuss why we had to seriously ponder and consider giving 40 acres and a mule to our residents, people of color who may have been damaged during the period of slavery in the United States. More than giving people a simple apology 150 years later. This bill makes it possible to have a conversation, a reasoned debate about what we want the future to look like. That would be great. I want to hear that cut again there, Broadway Billy. Play that cut again, Sam. More than giving people a simple apology 150 years later. This bill makes it possible to have a conversation, a reasoned debate about what we want the future to look like. I like that. A debate. Set up a debate. Have people of different points of view, whether they're pro-reparation or anti-reparation, Debate this out. Have those public forums. It's very important for people to come to their own conclusion. And then uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb tried to uh, justify why paying reparations out now. Former slaves and their children and their children's and the children across our nation have been haunted for generations by racism and disenfranchisement. Well... I need you to play that again one more time there, Broadway Bill Lee, please. Former slaves and their children and their children's and the children across our nation have been haunted for generations by racism and disenfranchisement. I wonder how you're going to quantify that. How you're going to figure out who came from a background of slavery that was taking place here in the Western Hemisphere. I wonder how you're going to do that. And then, of course, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb was uh, passing around the accolades, patting herself on the back so hard she'll have to go for a chiropractic adjustment uh, within a few hours. It's easy for us to pat ourselves on the back, right? We did all this. A lot of other states didn't step up. We had the leaders here. We took this on. We can say we're the heroes. We're the ones who fought against slavery. The heroes. By the way, it's a perfect time to ask a question. When uh, South Carolina seceded from the Union, which triggered the uh, South, uh, other states uh, leaving, and then the southern states organizing to uh, take on the uh, blue coats of Abraham Lincoln and the Union. Who was the mayor of New York City who would have been, if given the opportunity, the second area to secede from the Union? New York City. 
who actually had signed the papers to secede before he was prevented from doing so. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Kevin, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kevin. Yeah, what's up, Curtis? Yeah, um, Hochul knows that they just closed the reparations office in California last week because of the $22 billion migrant costs every year. They're, you know, $22 billion they got. We got like $12 billion, right, coming. But she know, she's pandering for votes, and it's shameless, and it's sad because Malcolm used to tell them to stop being um, falling for the Democratic, uh, they're chumps. He called them chumps. Remember he and, and he, he he told them that man, and and they should have listened to him. But um, yeah, it's it's very very sad. Um, basically, um, she's just totally shamelessly pandering, and it's so sad that black people, like you always say, Curtis. They go to the church, they go to the black churches, and black people are so loving and forgiving. It's true, black people are very, you know, nice people, but they're easily gullible and taken advantage of as a result of that. And Malcolm used to tell them, stop being that way. you got to be harder, and you have to vote like white people. You have to vote 50-50 or something like that. You can't vote 90%. Listen, they voted 93% for Biden, Curtis, in Chicago. Yes. Now they have the Trump signs. But um, it, it's a catastrophe because this has replaced blacks in the pecking order, and now you, it knocked them down the totem pole. And in Los Angeles, that recording with Nuri Martinez, the president of the city council and the union leaders, De Leon and the union leaders, said three things on that recording we heard last year. They referred to blacks as monkeys. Two, they laughed at anyone that's with the blacks, that works with the blacks, mm-hmm. literally. And three, they talked about using zoning against blacks. The guy in charge of zoning was sitting at the table. Okay, so blacks are being played for chumps, and that's why you see them so angry in Chicago now, because they realize Trump had told them migrants hurt blacks the most. Trump said it before the election when he closed the border. He actually said it. Curtis, we got to give him credit for that. You know, he wasn't perfect, but at least he was willing to say what Hillary and Obama would never say, because you're not supposed to say that blacks are the most hurt by migrants. You're not supposed to say it. Trump said it. Well, you're correct, and it, it's so obvious because uh, when Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, had won the mayoral election against me, to the victor go the spoils. I think there were a lot of folks uh, in the African-American community that just assumed that because they were responsible for his victory, they provided him the margin of victory, that they would get the services that they never previously had qualified for. It just made that assumption. And then only to be told by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, that they'd have to get to the back of the bus because those uh, plans hadn't been worked on yet or hadn't been uh, necessitated yet. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Thank you. 
and moving towards the break of dawn. Weekends are devoted to not just talk, but entertainment. And that's what we try to give you when you listen to The Other Side of Midnight, the better side of The Other Side of Midnight. Six hours, Saturday mornings, which we're right in the midst of, 12 to 6. And then so nice, the suits let me do it twice. 12 midnight to 6 until the break of dawn uh, Sundays. And let's not forget that uh, in a few hours, I'll be joining uh, Anthony Weiner, the uh, left versus right. Boy, you're going to hear in the next hour, he was sparking up with uh, the gal that I call the real estate maven. Actually, uh, she could almost be... uh, Synonymous with Pat Pentar, you know, hit me with your best shot at Suzanne Miller, who has a podcast here at WABC. Anyway, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Greg, uh, who's calling. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Greg. Hey Curtis, what's up? You tell me, Greg. Curtis, I live in the Rochelle there. Whatever happened to the migrates up in uh, Tuckahoe Road in Yonkers? Well, they were there for a while. I have no idea what became of them. The contracts were signed. The city of New York sent them there. Latimer, the county executive, was welcoming them. Uh, and the mayor was sort of objecting Spano. Uh, but I'm not quite sure what became of them. Yeah, because Spano's been there for, like, centuries, you know. He's been the mayor up there for a long time. Yeah, not, not only that, he, he won re-election, which I had opposed. I had supported his Republican challenger. But the most interesting thing is as soon as he won election as mayor of Yonkers, he gave himself an unbelievable pay increase. Yeah, what else is no uh, Curtis? You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I, I've been following you for years. I live in, I used to live in the Bronx. I grew up in the Bronx. And uh, if I wasn't a Bronx, like a lot of people said, I, I had voted for you for May. I tried to tell everybody I knew that lived in Brooklyn and, and, and Asian people and all, all types of people to vote for you because you're the guy that uh, you're the gentleman that would, would straighten the city up. It's a mess. You know that. Well, I'm pleased to say, Greg, that uh, I was the first Republican candidate ever in running for mayor of the city of New York to win the Asian vote. Uh, not even Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani, not even Bloomberg with his billions of dollars had won uh, the Asian vote. So we'll see. We'll keep building on that. The Asian vote today, maybe the Latino vote tomorrow. Uh, that's the route I would take. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate either uh, African-Americans or Jews in any great numbers switching over and voting for Republicans. It's just uh, just not part of their DNA at this point. 
So that's no, what they don't. They don't seem to switch. Even here, I live in New Rochelle, and they uh, just voted another Democrat mayor, and you know, here in New Rochelle, which doesn't have a big impact on me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm 70 years old. I'm a. I was in Vietnam. You know, at the end of the Vietnam uh, era. Uh, I got drafted the last year of the uh, of the of the draft. You know, I'm, sem- I'm 71, maybe 72. So I, uh, you know, I'm always with, I always vote by the, for the right person. You know, but usually I'm to the right. I'm very conservative, and uh, it doesn't seem to change. I have people I know that keep on going voting Democrat, and look what they get in New York City when they vote Democrat. Except for what you you did. You know, with uh, uh, what's his name in the morning, uh, uh, Sid Rosenberg. Rosenberg. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, and you switch a lot of. Uh, you got a few good people in there. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. I don't get it, Curtis. Uh, I just don't get why they continuously run that path. Like even for the uh, the presidency, they, they they keep on voting. You know. People then they open the border wide open. It's it's unheard of. Oh, wide open. It's 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 never been worse, Greg. And it's organized. There's no doubt about it. There's a plan here to get in as many illegal aliens as possible. Eventually, uh, if they decide to stay and not go back, uh, to normalize them, uh, get them an address, a permanent address of their own, and then uh, register them to vote. And then because they will uh, be eternally grateful to the uh, Democrats for basically busting open the border and letting them in. Uh, They'll tell their children and grandchildren that the way you show uh, your uh, respect for those Democrats is you vote for them. You get to vote out for them. And that'll exist for decades. That's the general plan that was used uh, at the turn of the century when uh, the Irish were coming across after the potato famine. Uh, by the boatloads, and the at that time, Republicans were wasps. Uh, they were Protestants. They hated Catholics, Irish Catholics. Tammany Hall met the Irish uh, Catholics uh, on the boats that arrived in lower Manhattan. They gave them a little bit of petty cash. They found them a place to live, even though it was generally in squalor, but it was something. And they told them, always remember us. Tammany Hall was there for you. The Democrats were there for you. The Republicans hated their guts. And believe it or not, that has existed for many, many years in many, many Irish uh, Catholic households. The fact that uh, it was Tammany Hall, it was the Democrats who were here who helped them uh, when they first got to uh, the United States, especially to New York and Boston. And boy, they have been grateful ever since. Almost to the point when you actually talk uh, to an Irish family and ask them what was the roots of the fact that they won't even be a free agent, won't even just listen to the men and women who are running for office, uh, regardless of of, uh, party affiliation, and try to figure out uh, who would be in the best interest of yourself, your community, your neighbors, and the direction that you were hoping your city or your state was going in. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Robert, who's calling from Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Robert. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I want to update you a little. A friend in Elmhurst, Queens, has told me he's seeing illegal aliens camping out on rooftops. 
this is not good, man. They got to be taken off those rooftops. So you're saying in Elmhurst, Queens? Yes. Uh, did he give you any specific locations, or did he just make uh, it appear to be generally they were up on rooftops? Uh, in the area, uh, around Corona Avenue, 91st. Mm. Mm. Okay. I got it. I'll, I'll make sure that I get it checked out. Yeah, that would be good if you can. That's not good, man. In the city, rooftops are a unique vantage point. They're the high ground, man. If something goes down, this could be a real problem. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. and a mule reparations interesting california which was exploring the concept of giving reparations to african-americans who could prove that they had spent at least 18 years in their city uh they would give them a million dollars a piece and then pay any money that they owed people interesting when they first proposed that in San Francisco County, uh, it hadn't yet been negated by Gruesome Newsome, the governor, who has since said, not ready for prime time. We barely have enough money to take care of what uh, what the needs of our residents are when you add to it the mounting bills from the illegal aliens that are just streaming across the border uh, on the Mexican side. The decision was made to close the office but prior to that, there had actually been serious discussion that somebody like uh, O.J. Simpson could actually qualify for reparations based on the rules that were putting being put into place in California. A, he had spent 18 years of his life in San Francisco, where he was born and raised, until he went off to play football at USC. He grew, in, uh, grew up in Potrero Hill, Sunnyvale section, overlooking the East Bay. In the public housing projects, his father was a chef. His mother was an accountant. They were both African-American. He was uh, African-American through and through. He would have gotten a million dollars. And the Brown family, which uh, he owes a ton of money to through the civil litigation that they won their case on, uh, they would have been satisfied for everything that O.J. Simpson owned them through the taxpayers of the state of California. How crazy is that? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But on another note, 
it wasn't just the announcement by Kathy Crimewave Holcomb that she wanted to give 40 acres and a mule reparation to African-Americans who had been born and raised here or had spent a, uh, an amount of time here to qualify under her standards. We still don't know what the specificity of that is. But it was also a week in which Alec Baldwin was surrounded by the demonstrators from the uh, river to the sea. The pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas demonstrators uh, caught up to Alec Bennett. But, 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 uh, forget, it's not Alec Bennett. Alec Baldwin at 29th Street, not far from uh, Herald Square and Madison Square Garden. And they gave him grief. And he shot back rhetorically, but quite frankly, he could have been a hell of a lot more hostile as he has been over the years to the paparazzi who have staked out his uh, apartment and location in the Lower East Side. Not far from the uh, place where I lived, right across the street from uh, Tompkins Square Park, uh, off of St. Mark's and Avenue A for many, many years, 131 Avenue A. But uh, I remember those times when Alec Baldwin, in a just explosion of anger, would basically taunt members of the Fourth Estate. I hope you choke. Thank you. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Answer me, yes or no? Yeah. If you're here when my wife and my kid come out here. You've got a big problem. You know that, don't you? Okay. Maybe you are as dumb as you look. You are with Fox, right? You're the one that almost hit my wife with the microphone in the face. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly did yeah. not. Yeah. You want to apologize to our camera? I asked you a question. You want to apologize to her? I asked you a question. Okay, get the out of here. Now that's just Alec Baldwin coming downstairs out of his uh, tenement uh, apartment in the Lower East Side and giving grief to the paparazzi who sometimes just hang around there like vultures uh, and buzzards. I want to hear that again. I want to hear how he takes them on and gives them grief. I hope you choke. Thank you. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Answer me, yes or no? Yeah. You're here when my wife and my kid come out here. You've got a big problem. You know that, don't you? Okay. Maybe you are as dumb as you look. You are with Fox, right? You're the one that almost hit my wife with the microphone in the face. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly did not. You want to apologize to one camera? I asked you a question. You want to apologize to one? I asked you a question. Hot-headed, no doubt about it, 1-800-848-9222. And I'll never forget there was that time that that Alec Baldwin was considered to be able to fill the missing shoes uh, that Matt Drudge had left behind. Matt Drudge had been doing Sunday nights just like his mentor Walter Winchell had done for many, many uh, days. Uh, and uh, Matt Drudge had huge ratings. At the time, Lynn Samuels was his phone screener and producer. And the guy was scoring, I mean, outrageous numbers on Sunday night, but that's all he wanted to do. Matt Drudge wanted to just sort of emulate his hero, Walter Winchell, and he felt a lot of knockers in doing that. Uh, management, though, came to him and said, hey, you're doing so exceptionally well on Sunday nights. Uh, why don't you consider us rolling you out five days a week and you become a nationally syndicated show? And that's when uh, all of a sudden a uh, decision was made. Matt Drudge said, look, I don't need to be in radio. I do quite well in the website that I've set up. And there's no doubt he did. 
But uh, he decided, I, I only want to do radio once a week. I've told the suits at WABC, but they were hard-headed. They were still not. They tried to pressure him into doing him five days a week because his ratings were so over the top and uh, outstanding on Sunday nights. But he walked away from it. He said, I'd rather go to Miami Beach, live there, and just uh, look after my uh, Matt Drudge site that so many people read all over the world. And that's exactly what he did. So they were auditioning Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin was coming in on Sunday nights. And uh, at the time, Sean Hannity, the rock-ribbed, all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, took exception to the fact that he was going to be on the same airways and gave him a piece of his mind as Alec Baldwin was uh, hosting a Sunday night show that he thought he would be permanently doing at WABC. Hi, Sean. Alec, I wanted to give you an official WABC welcome, considering you uh, you were supposed to come on my program last week, and you uh, you didn't show up. What happened? No, I wasn't supposed to come on your program, no, Sean Hannity. You were supposed to come on the program, because a deal was made with your agent that if you were going to come on with Brian, first you'd come on with me. I wouldn't dream of coming on your program, well, Sean Hannity. I'm here with Brian. I'm here with a really talented... You, are, you don't tell the truth. I'm here with a really talented broadcaster. Oh, Why no, would no, I want to no, come no, on the no, show? With a no-talent former construction worker hack like you. Oh, that was good stuff. Sean was calling up. Brian Whitman uh, was the host who was trying to uh, teach uh, Alec Baldwin uh, the ropes of doing good talk radio at WABC. Uh, Very similar to what I've done so far for uh, Andrew Giuliani. You can hear him uh, with me on Sunday nights now, 8 to 9. I call it the education of Andrew Giuliani in becoming a good, well-rounded talk show host. I've done it for Anthony Weiner that you'll hear him with me in a few hours from 4 to 5, left versus right. He does an excellent two hours before that because he's the only person here legitimately who is a liberal progressive, and he takes on the Trumpers from about 2 to 4, does an excellent job. In addition, uh, there's uh, the Mama Luke Frank Morano. I've taken him under my wing. And uh, I've been basically uh, referred to as the coach, the coach here at WABC. So uh, when you need somebody that sort of has to be taught the ropes or has to be shaped up or has to be disciplined or has to be uh, sort of modified, uh, then they stick them with me. So uh, you have, at this point, uh, the guy who's doing best, Dominic Carter, at night, without a doubt. His numbers are skyrocketing. But, uh, you know, I had to work with him. It was a little difficult at times, hard for Dominic to absorb the message of talk radio when he had been a, a TV reporter for so many years. Obviously, an excellent TV reporter, the face and the voice of New York One since its inception, But then all of a sudden, he was no longer desired to be a a talk show, uh, excuse me, a newscaster on any uh, local network. Uh, It just wasn't in the cards. And so he applied all of his uh, energies to become the best uh, radio uh, talkmeister that he possibly could be without always feeling he needed to speak with a seven-second sound delay so he wouldn't get into trouble. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to, um, uh, once again, Alec Baldwin. T 
taking on Sean Hannity in uh, what was quite the battle. We had talked uh, earlier about uh, Godzilla versus uh, Rodan, Godzilla versus Mothra. This was like, uh, this was uh, (laughs) Alec Baldwin versus Sean Hannity. The Rock Rev, the all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, and upcoming, uh, the great one, Mark Levin. That was Sean Hannity and his sidekick, Cabin Boy, here on WABC Talk Radio. Hannity, it's Gaelic for no talent, isn't it? No. Hannity is uh, Gaelic for no talent. Like when guys would be playing rugby in the old country, someone would turn to somebody and they'd have like a a scouting report. And someone would say, tell me about O'Rourke. How is he? He was a great forward Alec. for one of, for one of the counties he played for. And somebody would say, "No, he's a Hannity," which means he has no talent. You say, "No, Hannity." And they write that on the scouting. You have attracted you have attracted many fans. You have attracted many uh, many audiences. Sean Hannity attracts a huge national radio audience. We 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 can't say that people who have had that success are, are without talent. I think that this is a political disagreement. Why does it have to get personal? And I must say, Brian Whitman, great talk show host in his own rights, coming out of Staten Island. This is a guy who perfected different imitations of voices, especially Al Gore. He was spot on. And Michael Jackson. I had substituted for Sean Hannity, the rock red, all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island. And I had actually interviewed Brian Whitman, who pretended to be Michael Jackson for a full hour. He was so convincing. The people who were trying to track Michael Jackson down were calling up the station because in listening to him, they thought for sure it was Michael Jackson. And people were thinking that they could queue up uh, interviews with him afterwards and were sending uh, trucks down to the radio station so that they could catch Michael Jackson afterwards. And they had to be told afterwards that it was Brian Witt pretending to be Michael Jackson. But, oh, he did such a good job. Such a good job. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. There was true talent at that point. You know, it's something we don't really see much of any longer. And that is people who come on the airwaves and they do impressions and imitations. Just almost seems to be an art of talk radio that has disappeared. Phil Hendry, who I had discussed the other day with Sid Rosenberg, there was a great dynamic duo uh, down in Miami when you had uh, Neil Rogers on uh, in the uh, sort of uh, morning. Uh, He was so good, he ended up doing his show for Florida from Toronto. He was a guy, Neil Rogers, who took on uh, the um, anti-gay and lesbian community that was being led at that time, 1972, I believe it was, Anita Bryant. No, make that 1976. Anita Bryant was having concerts in the Orange Bowl decrying uh, the openness in which uh, gays and lesbians were being accepted. And uh, Neil Rogers was such a power that he announced on his show, at the top of the show, that while she was doing that, that he was coming out as a closeted gay. And, boy, there were demonstrations at the radio station against them, cancellations of sponsors, but his ratings just skyrocketed. He was that good. That good. Oh, and he was. There's no doubt. And who, the person who followed him was Phil Hendry, 
who did all these imitations, these voices, he could do a phone call simultaneously while pretending to be two, three other people. Maybe, I, I mean, I, to be able to do a multitask like that, nobody else in the history of talk radio was able to do that except for Phil Hendry. So imagine you'd be listening to Neil Rogers mid-morning, and it would go right into Phil Hendry. That was like great back-to-back radio. Great. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then there was uh, Mark Levin, who jumped in on Alec Baldwin, called in, and it was like uh, Mark Levin and Sean Hannity double-teaming Alec Baldwin. I just told you, you got a two-digit IQ. He's and and, and who's, that little, who's your little cabin boy there it's with you? not a cabin boy, butt boy. What are you doing there, cabin boy? Why, tell me, what's your latest what, what's movie? His name? Uh, this is Mark Levin. Who, who is Mark Levin? Mark Levin is an ABC radio host. He's, Mark Levin is the highest-rated host on uh, WABC. You're, I now dub you, for all your listeners, cabin boy. You are Sean Hannity's yeah, cabin you know boy. What? Is that not some of the best talk radio you ever heard? You heard that Sean Hannity is on the phone. Mark Levin is on the phone. Brian Whitman is in the studio trying to maintain order. Alec Baldwin is trying to tear both of them a new backside. And I'm in my office at the time at the old WABC, walked out, observed this, and said, oh, my God, this is great talk radio. Can I hear that again where Mark Levin uh, sort of cuts in Broadway Billy? I just told you, you got a two-digit IQ. He's and and, and who's, that, who's your little cabin boy there with not you? not a cabin boy, butt boy. What are you doing there, cabin boy? Why, tell me, what's your latest what, what's movie? His name? Uh, this is Mark Levin. Who, who is Mark Levin? Mark Levin is an ABC radio host. Mark Levin is the highest-rated host on uh, WABC. You're, I now dub you for all your listeners, cabin boy. You are Sean Hannity's yeah, cabin you know boy. What? Oh, that is so good. And then, who could ever forget Alec Baldwin going off on his daughter at the time about 11 or 12 years old... He left a message for her. I think uh, that's the daughter he had had with his wife at the time, Kim Bassinger, who had been from uh, Georgia. But, oh, man, he just, he went off on his daughter. Hey, I want to tell you something, okay? And I want to leave a message for you right now, because, again, it's 1030 here in New York on a Wednesday. And once again, I've made an ass of myself trying to get to a phone to call you at a specific time. When the time comes for me to make the phone call, I stop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I make that phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning in New York, and if you don't pick up the phone, at 10 o'clock at night, and you don't even have that god phone turned on. I want you to know something, okay? I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm leaving this message with you to tell you, you have insulted me for the last time. You have insulted me. You don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass who doesn't care about what you do as far as I'm concerned. You have humiliated me for the last time with this phone. And when I come out there next week, I'm going to fly out there for the day just to straighten you out. On this issue, I'm going to let you know just how disappointed in you I am and how angry I am with you that you've done this to me again. You've made me feel like shit, and you've made me feel like a fool over and over and over again. And this crap you pull on me with this damn phone situation that you would never dream of doing to your mother, and you do it to me 
constantly and over and over again. I am going to get on a plane, and I'm going to come out there for the day, and I'm going to straighten your ass out when I see you. Do you understand me? I'm going to really make sure you get it. Then I'm going to get on a plane, I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to come home. So you better be ready Friday the 20th to meet with me. So I'm going to let you know just how I feel about what a rude little pig you really are. You are a rude, thoughtless little pig, okay? Oh, man, that's his daughter, 12 or 11 at the time. How come he wasn't like that with those Palestinian supporters? You know, they, uh, a terrorist for Hamas, Jews for Hamas, uh, Jews for God only knows what, the uh, Palestinians, you know, oh, my God. And then, uh, then they had surrounded him. They were giving Alec Baldwin a hard time on 29th Street. Well, oh, you piece of do you condemn Israel? No, no, I'm not answering your then. Yeah, you got to give me your answer then. You gave me your answer then. <laughs> oh, man, right in his face. I need to hear that one more time. Come on, Broadway, Lee. I need to hear that one more time. They were getting in Alec Baldwin's face there. Yo, f- you piece of shit. That's crazy. Tell your wife and kids you said no, hi. F- you. Come on, what a f- cloud. You guys are really going to help your Oh, God. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Answer me, yes or no? Yeah. You're here when my wife and my kid come out here. You've got a big problem. You know that, don't you? Okay. Maybe you are as dumb as you look. You are with Fox, right? You're the one that almost hit my wife with the microphone in the face? Oh, you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly did not. You want to apologize to one camera? I asked you a question. You want to apologize to one? I asked you a question. And for one old last time, the old Alec Baldwin, when he left that message to his daughter, could you have imagined if he would have just broke wild on those Palestinian Hamas supporters like he broke on his 12-year-old daughter? Hey, I want to tell you something, okay? And I want to leave a message for you right now, because, again, it's 10.30 here in New York on a Wednesday. And once again, I've made an ass of myself trying to get to a phone to call you at a specific time. When the time comes for me to make the phone call, I stop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I make that phone call at 11 o'clock in the morning in New York, and if you don't pick up the phone, at 10 o'clock at night, and you don't even have that god phone turned on. I want you to know something, okay? I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm leaving this message with you to tell you, you have insulted me for the last time. 
you have insulted me. You don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years old or 11 years old or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass who doesn't care about what you do as far as I'm concerned. You have humiliated me for the last time with this phone. Oh, yeah. You don't want to go anywhere because I'm going to be taking you to the break of dawn with a whole potpourri of different cuts in your responses exclusively here on WABC. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
song by Pat Benatar, although she will no longer perform that song. Never could quite figure that out. Came up with some rationale. Pat Benatar, born in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, just like my wife Nancy, and then moved out to Long Island where she met her husband. They've been happily married ever since. Uh, And my wife, uh, soon after uh, she was a youngster in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, moved out to uh, Bohemia in Long Island. But it is interesting because when Pat Benatar had this hit and a series of other hits, she was the number one female performer, bar none. And that was just about the time that MTV was hitting. And, boy, she had the videos that were, like, nonstop and really sort of, like, um, were empowering for women. She didn't take no trash. Hit me with your best shot. And that's uh, also what we had occur earlier in the week. In fact, you have two different individuals doing two different things here at WABC. First, you have Anthony Weiner, who has been at it now over a year and has really come into his own on Saturdays in just a few hours. His first two hours, he's uh, taking on all the Trumpers from two to four. He's the only real Democrat uh, that is a broadcaster here at WABC who's a liberal, a progressive, and is ready to tangle with the Trumpers. And he does it in a very respectful way. And the ratings are now showing that. And then he finishes out his uh, three-hour extravaganza by tangling with me from four to five in left versus right. He was paired with uh, Suzanne Miller who's the real estate gal who has a podcast here at WABC. And she's had already on her podcast, she's had Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan, Mayor of the Illegal Aliens. She's had uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta, Cuomo, King Cuomo I. Hey, Andrew, I send him a to see you provenos, Fachim. And you are. She's had on George Pataki. And she had on Anthony Weiner. And boy, they were like two scorpions in a brandy glass, both of them from Brooklyn, both of them scrapping off to the uh, theme of saving our city, which is in a tailspin into the abyss. We're losing population. You just got done saying we gained 140,000 people who wanted to come here. But they are not contributing to the taxes. Oh, I'm you talking don't think about so? The, well, they're not paying. T- 140,000 migrants are not paying the same no. taxes as the 500,000 people that left. Let me ask you something. When when those people go in and buy a pair of jeans, they're not paying taxes? I'm talking about the 500,000 people that left New York. And a lot of people have come to New York. It's still the greatest city. It's I not, get that, Anthony. But the point is that someone's got to pay the freight here. Yeah. That, and and we, we have budget problems now. We, we frequently. Do you know the budget problems we have after September 11th? With twice what we have now. And by the way... I looked at some of the numbers. The budget, we have a problem with the budget, but there's a lot of dispute about how bad the budget even is right now. I cannot wait to take on Anthony Weiner in just a few hours, four to five. And then they started scrapping uh, on the issue of defunding the police. And education and, 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 by far gets gets more and, money than anything else in the budget. And defunding the police? Or no one has defunded any police. Okay, so let's talk about the police department. What do you think about the police department? Do you think that they're doing – do you think we need to strengthen it? Do you think we need more police officers? What's I, your I, opinion? I, I would hire more police officers. Okay. But no one's defunding anything. 
I mean, if, if you want to say that whenever a budget is cut, you're defunding education when you cut the education budget, or you're defunding sanitation when you cut the sanitation budget, well, or you de- look, every budget in the entire country is down. So that means every police department is being defunded. It's, 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 it's bull, to be honest. Now, we have fiscal problems in our city, and the police department is a big part of it. Should we reduce overtime for the NYPD? Yeah, ideally we should. We should hire more police officers to have less overtime. Overtime is the least efficient way to fund our police department. There you get that on the podcasts that are available at WABC. Anthony Weiner has his own. He really has a lot of knowledge on uh, how to best run the city of New York, and he shares that on his podcast. And obviously, Suzanne Miller uh, has a lot of top high-profile guests and shares a lot of information about the real estate industry. So it's not just listening to the live uh, radio program it's the many podcasts that you can get by going to wabcradio.com. That's wabcradio.com. For instance, you can hear this show in a podcast form in a few hours after it's posted. You can hear the Animal Welfare Hour, which I conduct with my wife, Nancy. Uh, we do that uh, 10 to 11 uh, on uh, Sunday nights. Uh, but you can listen to it any time of the week. You just go to the WABCRadio.com podcast list, which is pretty extensive, pretty nuanced, and actually gets into the various areas of discussion that sometimes we can't get into in terms of the normal talk radio cycle. And then there was the mentor of uh, Anthony Weiner, the Schmuckterputz, the Schmendrick, the Pischer, Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, remember what he said originally about the illegal aliens invading us in August of a year ago. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and All of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Or however many undocumented there are here. Yeah, well, that that number just keeps mounting, schmuck. And then this past week, uh, Chuck E. G. Schumer, who's given nothing, nothing, not him, bupkis, Bugats, Eric Adams, who's gone with a tin cup in his hand to D.C. now ten times. Ten times. Schumer's turned his back on him. Gillibrand's turned his back on him. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, one day, will be the Speaker of the House of Representatives when the Democrats have the majority. And normally he will share rap lines from uh, Biggie Smalls with Eric Adams. But he gave him not even belly button lint. You got to wonder. Biden turned his back on him. Hochul's turned his, her back on him. They don't trust this guy with money. I mean, none of them have given him any play. And he couldn't have been nicer and more patronizing to them, uh, at least in the last two years uh, since he's been sworn in as the mayor. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go right to the phones and to... Uh, Mike, who's calling from St. James, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Curtis, uh, first, do you think you could use your influence on Dominic Carter to get him to have the mayor come on his show as a guest 
and ask him why he doesn't turn the buses around to save the budget of the new, of the city? Yeah, no, Dominic has had a long-standing relationship with Eric Adams going back to when he was first elected a state senator 20 years ago. Uh, you even hear the promo initially on the show where uh, the mayor said, my friend, Dominic Carter. Yeah, no, he could. So I'm, I'm definitely going to put the bug in his ear because, remember, when I finished the Animal Welfare Hour with uh, Nancy on Sunday nights, a uh, little before 11, I get to talk with Dominic Carter before he's on from 11 to 1. So I'll certainly mention that because he is an excellent interviewer. You uh, you cannot uh, do the rope-a-dope with Dominic Carter. Uh, Curtis, uh, next, how far back does your uh, history of the recordings go of the old talk shows such as Barry Gray? Well, I don't have the recordings any longer, but obviously I listened intently to Barry Gray when he was doing mid-mornings for WMCA. I also listened to him when he was doing overnights at WOR. So, uh, no, I'm very familiar with Barry uh, Gray's broadcast. Would, would they show up on the Internet? They should. You know, Barry Gray, a lot of people don't realize it. Barry Gray, in the heyday of uh, radio, when radio was king and there was no TV yet, he used to do broadcasts from the clubs at night, like the, the Cotton Club, or he'd, he'd be at a number of other clubs. Imagine, and stars and starlets would be dropping by to talk to Barry Gray. That was the heyday of radio. I'm sure some of them must be up there somewhere in YouTube form, Mike, but I'll, I'll try to do the, the deep dive and find out for you. Uh, Curtis, one more thing. Could you uh, a t- suggest you for a topic? The the people arrested who are given summonses, could you get the records on how many show up for court? Wow, that's an uh, interesting... Uh, yeah, I never even thought of that. How many of them just bogart their appearances, their uh, warrant is sworn out for them at that point? Uh, that would be interesting. Now, now that, that that's he, that's an excellent caller there, Mike. He hit me three times. It's like Pat Benatar, except the male version. Bam, bam, bam. He didn't give me no wiggle room. Yeah, I'll bet you. I will bet you a lot of these folks who get these disappearance tickets, these desk appearance tickets now, Instead of getting really arrested and being put through the system, you know, fingerprinted, photographed, I bet you a lot of them are not even showing up at court. And I bet you there is no attempt to go out and bring them in, even though a warrant has been sworn for their arrest. Excellent questions. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's uh, talk to Russell. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Russ. Hey, Curtis. You know, you've been lucky in love, and you got the best for last. Nancy uh, is really treating you right. But you have to have sympathy for Alec Baldwin. He married two crazy women. First, the one that wanted to buy a town and limited him to one child. And then the second one has a fake accent and a litter of kids. I mean, you do have sympathy for him, right? I actually know Alec Baldwin. Unlike a lot of my colleagues, I've met him on a number of different locations. Great story he told me one time. He was at the set. They were filming a movie out in Long Island. His brothers were there. His mother was there. She passed away recently of uh, breast cancer. 
And he said that when he was making his bones as a waiter, he wasn't yet a big star. He hadn't really broken into Broadway. He and a number of his friends were watching. uh, Remember, they would have like city cable TV in which uh, somebody would do a public affairs show and they would have a, uh, a phone in the center of the studio and you could call in. And so uh, there was some Guardian Angels on. We had just started, 79, 70, uh, uh, 1980. And there was uh, Alec Baldwin in front of his friends. He said they were sharing uh, a joint going puff, puff, fast. And he was talking to the Guardian Angels and telling them, hey, the next time I see you on the subway, I'm going to push you in the tracks. And everybody was, like, freaking out. But that's the kind of guy Alec Baldwin is. The moment you think he's super serious and he's stoic, He's tremendously funny, too, but his personality just vacillates. He just, you don't know which Alec Baldwin you're dealing with. The other day, he walked in here and did an interview with the queen of talk radio, Joan Hamburg, walked right past me. <laughs> didn't he? It's like he didn't even see me. Now, how could you not see me, Russell? I'm there with the red beret, the red sateen jacket. But he was in his own little world. It's not like he didn't like me or disrespected me. He knows me. But it's like you don't know which Alec Baldwin you're dealing with at any given moment of the day or night. Well, he ha- he has a hair trigger temper. And, you know, I saw him biking the wrong way on 92nd Street. And I said, hey, you're rowing the wrong way. He was ready to jump on me. I'm just joking around with him. But, you know, I just want to ask you something else. And actually, you know, I want to know, do you think they would have broken Alec Baldwin's jaw like, you know, they did to you. And I, I kind of wonder if you would talk a little bit about what happened behind the Tweed Courthouse, because there was a lot of violence simmering down there. I noticed it. And you were very brave to go in there. And and another thing is, well, real quick, is was Mothra, you were talking about horror movies. Would you consider Robinson Crusoe on Mars a horror movie because of the drone situation? Yeah, you know, I never even thought of that. Robinson Crusoe on Mars, the drone situation, before we even knew they were drones. You're absolutely right. That, okay. that, that that's a that's one of those B grade movies that you you forget about. You don't even remember until somebody like yourself, Russell, brings it to our attention. And I know there are a number of people right now say, "Yeah, I remember when I saw that." Yeah, that was. It's been in my head for sixty years. I've been watching history unfold like a horror movie. But you know, last thing I want to ask you, you know, is Alec Baldwin a Zionist or? It, is he just afraid of losing what little remaining support in Hollywood he has? You know, because there is this psyops deterrent strategy going on. And I'll listen to your answer, Curtis. Great show. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, Russell. I uh, I don't know what Alec Baldwin is. He's not, uh, you know, a pure liberal and progressive. He changes from time to time. Uh, I would say the most Zionist of uh, everyone I've seen emerge in this uh, war in the Gaza has been uh, Jerry Seinfeld, who has actually gone over there. And there are other guys like uh, Adam Sandler, who have been missing in action, who I thought would have taken a position one way or the other. I think when uh, when Alec was uh, surrounded the other day by the demonstrators, uh, the, uh, demonstrating for the Palestinians, I think he suggested that he was really on both sides, meaning he wanted peace. He wasn't. He wasn't really like he. I wouldn't call him a, a, a Zionist. I wouldn't say that he was pro uh, Palestinian Hamas. 
he just seemed to be saying, like, gee, I wish they, they, they'd ha- have peace there. Although he was getting into it with the guy, but not as much as I've known him to do it. He really didn't fire up on all cylinders. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Maria, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. It's my turn. I'm making sauce. I'm coming over a cold. I want the recipe for that cayenne, and I forgot what you said, cayenne pepper and water and something else. And then I want to tell you about Alec Baldwin, the two times I met him out here on the east end of Long Island. So now, let's talk about Alec Baldwin uh, since Russell had just uh, asked about him. What were your experiences with him? Very good question. He did this project called the Tooth the, the Tooth Fairy Project, the Tooth Fairy, like your teeth. He was collecting teeth of children on Long Island. This is back in the 90s on children on Long Island about the uh, – the uh, the effect of the radiation that that circles the atmosphere over the whole America actually, and he was taking teeth samples and see how, see what the radiation was in the baby teeth, and the second time I saw him was in a play Equus in the East Hampton, but he wasn't the one that played the part that was naked. <laughs> now, now, now wait a second, you seem to remember. Who is playing the part of the naked male, Maria? You seem to have had a little chuckle over that and said that was not Alec Baldwin. No, it wasn't. It was a much younger man that played the part in Equus that was naked, that naked scene. And he was like the father of something. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Anyway, what's the recipe with the with the water and the cayenne pepper? What else was in Well, the, the warm, warm water... Yeah. Cayenne red pepper, which I used yeah. to take at Mickey D's McDonald's when I was a night manager there. That was like a natural way of getting wired up without being on drugs, being on amphetamines. Boy, you would stay awake for hours if yeah. you had red cayenne pepper. It's natural. It's not harmful. Your, your heart does not beat and uh, throb as if you were taking speed or speed. any kind mm-hmm. of uh, drug. Uh, it's natural, yeah. but I, I, I'm trying to remember what the, uh, the preparation was. I, myself, I used to just take a glass of water, warm water, put the red cayenne pepper in, yeah. uh, and then drink it down. And I'm telling you, uh, you, your face would start to turn red from the red cayenne pepper. <laughs> it's that hot. Yeah. It was that okay, hot. Listen, Curtis, I have, I, have, I have cayenne pepper. Guess where it's from? You'll never guess. Germany. Lidl's. The store Lidl's. Do you have Lidl's in Manhattan? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Whoa, I whoa, you got know. a bit of a cold there, uh, Maria. I did. And I what, well, how long have you had that? It's been a week. Good question, Curtis. It's been a week, and uh, unfortunately I got my son sick. But it's okay, and my husband too. But I got it from the kids at school. I work in school. Yeah, yeah. You know this this thing, this thing that you just described. It's been it's been uh, spreading quickly in the population. I think a lot of it has to do with all the Christmas parties that took place at work sites. Uh, naturally, when people take the subways or they take mass transit of any type, and they're all like in uh, contained areas. This flu, this virus, this uh, sort of COVID variant, 
uh, forms uh, of uh, pneumonia, walking pneumonia, that have clobbered whole sections of our population. It certainly took my wife down for the count, Nancy. It's taken others, her brother Danny, some others that I've run into who have described the very same conditions in which they were coughing radically. Uh, they were getting pains in their back, pains in the lower back, pains in the chest, high fever, 103, 105, really serious conditions. Uh, I, I don't think, for the most part, it was a new strain of uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID. But I really haven't seen anything this strong in quite some time that wasn't COVID or coronavirus. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Remember, yours truly, Curtis Lee, we're taking you to the break of dawn. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Time to gear up. This has become the banner song in resisting the invasion of the illegal aliens that keep pouring in across our border, many of whom make their way up here to New York City, the tri-state area. Let me make mention two things on that front, in that uh, those of you who are out in Staten Island... And you happen to be rebels who uh, helped me in closing uh, St. John Villa Academy, which was housing illegal aliens and a number of other facilities, brick-and-mortar migrant centers. Unexpectedly, a hotel on Staten Island abruptly announced it would close down uh, on Friday. People were outside assuming that the building may soon become a shelter for the migrants. There are two former hotels next to the Fairfield Inn, which have been operating as migrant shelters for over a year. It's a cluster there. But this uh, particular uh, Marriott Hotel, the Fairfield Inn on Wild Avenue, has been cleared out of its uh, patrons, its uh, clients, I guess what you would call it, people who live there. And you know what that means. They're going to be shoving illegal aliens in there. So we got to organize. we got to prevent that. They're doing this under the cover of the Christmas holiday. Assume nobody will be paying attention. Well, guess what? We are paying attention. And when I'm back in 24 hours, I'll have an updated report on this. And also, the other big story that I broke two weeks ago, when on these very same airwaves I told you, that there were illegal aliens staying at Floyd Bennett Field in the four tents. About 1,700 now it can house upwards of 4,000. Mostly women and children who were going into the surrounding area of Marine Park in and around Kings Plaza, Avenue U, Flatbush Avenue, down by Avenue T, over in the 50s in the residential section, and panhandling, going door-to-door, You can see them on the videos from the ringtones. 
You could see him from pictures that residents have been taking and sending to me, uh, holding up signs, you know, that we need money, we need food, we need clothes. What do you mean? You got all that provided to you by us, the sucker taxpayers. Some of them were walking around with North Face jackets, which uh, Broadway Bill Lee, you're talking like $600, $700 off the rack. Where they getting money like that? And then they're walking around with Target bags and other bags in which they just come from the mall at King's Plaza. Now, they weren't shoplifting. They were buying these items. Where the hell are they getting the money for this? Uh, I'll be getting down to the nitty-gritty of it. I, I spent uh, one day there this past week, and I'll be spending many more days this coming week because it's now all come to a head. It's now all come to a head. The other thing that's come to a head is that the Nassau County GOP has chosen its candidate to run against Tom Swazi in the special election that was called for by Governor Crime Wave Holcomb, Kathy Holcomb, to replace uh, the Udistraziata George Santos, who has not just a movie being made about him, but now we heard just uh, within the past 24 hours a documentary, too. But here is uh, Peter King, contributor here to WABC. Peter King, who is describing to Sid Rosenberg in the morning why the candidate Mazi who is the Ethiopian-Israeli woman uh, who has been elected to the Nassau County Legislature representing Great Neck twice. And even though she is a registered Democrat, she's run as a Republican. So Sid said, why hasn't she just become a Republican? Of all the people you could have picked to run against Swazi in that special election replacing George Santos, why did you pick a Democrat. Well, first of all, you say she's a Democrat, but she has run twice as Republican. She was elected as Republican. Oh, let me stop. Let me stop you right away. I say she's a Democrat. I'm not saying anything. She's registered oh, I mean, as a Democrat. Yeah. Right. 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 No, she is. In fact, to me, this shows the strength of the Republican Party. She ran as a Republican in 2021. It was the first time anyone was ever elected on the Republican line from that district in the history of the county legislature. She was reelected. In 2023, she has voted 100 percent of the time with the Republicans. She caucuses with the Republicans. She campaigns for Republicans. She is, uh, to me, this shows the strength of the Republican Party, that someone who had been a Democrat now identifies with Republicans. Whether she, you know, she switches parties or not, to me, that's almost irrelevant. What? That's mumbo-jumbo. Come on, Peter King. There's got to be some political technology to this. She is running on the Republican line. She's done it twice. She's been elected to the Nassau County Legislature representing Great Neck, although she maintains her Democratic Party status. She's now running against Tom Swazi, who's held that seat before, served six years. Uh, but she is still a Democrat, but running on the Republican line. How does that make any sense? There is obviously a strategy to all of this. I just think that it makes it easier to raise money being that. But that's a form of technology. That seat, there's always technology. It was with George Santos. Both sides knew that he was tainted, that his resume, much of it was fabricated. We later found out that all of it was from birth to his eventual death. 
But there were more than enough uh, factors that had emerged to tell us that if you were a Republican supporting George Santos, you shouldn't have. Or if you were a Democrat running against him, you should have brought it to other people's attention. And you should have used it on him in the most recent election, at least in the debate. They've chosen to do nothing, which uh, makes me extraordinarily suspicious of what the hell is going on in this race, because they could be raising together about $50 million for this race, $25 million on each side, $10 million for the special election on both sides, which will take place February 13th. How do I know that's the 45th anniversary of the Guardian Angels that I started as a night manager of Mickey D's in the Bronx on Fordham and Webster? Then there's a primary soon after, four months later. That's more money to be raised on both sides, depending on who wins the first side. And then there's a general election, the presidential year. So they'll have three opportunities to do massive fundraising. Probably raise, uh, when all is said and done, about $25 million on each side. Sheesh. And then, of course, there's Tom Swazi, who's a bit of a goofball, recently was interviewed by Crackhead Barney. If you've ever gone on to her YouTube channel, Crackhead Barney looks like a crackhead. Uh, she is a black woman, graduate of Hunter College, who is Mashug Ubats. And she uh, has covered herself with white powder, and she barely has any clothes on. And here's goofball Tom Swazi at the Columbus, Columbus Day Parade taking her seriously. Hi, how are you? Hello there. Who are you? Tom Swazi, how are you? Okay, cool. So are you running for office? I'm a sitting congressman now. Oh, the third congressional district on Long Island. Oh, nice. Oh, so that's New York State, not New York City. Yeah. Why are you here today? My father was born in Italy, and I'm here to celebrate Italian-American well, culture. Columbus was a, a white devil. Columbus raped and pillaged. Didn't Columbus pillage the Native Americans? Tom Swazi had no idea what the hell was going on. Boy, what a screwball. What a race there. All it is, it's a money grab. Speaking of money... Who emerged the moment the Kathy crime wave Holcomb uh, talked about 40 acres and a mule reparations for African-Americans? Well, of course, it was Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Somewhere there has to be where we pause and repair the damage that was done. You cannot heal unless you deal with the wounds. And I guarantee you uh, he will be steering, steering families uh, to uh, file with Governor Kathy Holcomb if she does push forward with this reparations bill. We, where are we going to get the money, right? Well, who cares, right? It's just uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, they say. And then, of course, there's James Flippin, who's our news guy this morning, already working feverishly to make sure that you have uh, – Accurate and uh, not oldie moldy news. <sighs> wow. He actually uh, said that uh, to Maria, who we were talking to in Long Island, that in addition to having the warm water and the red cayenne pepper, that uh, there should be some honey added to it, uh, some pure honey, Gunter's pure honey, you know, from the little honey bear. 
1-800-848-9222. And earlier in the week, James Flippin in the Rip and Read, you can hear me Rip and Read Monday through Fridays uh, from 12 to 1. Uh, before that, each day, Monday through Fridays with Sid Rosenberg at 7.05. But listen to how I uh, get into it about the subject being Flacco, the uh, celebrity aisle who is now out and about, how I get into it with our uh, news guy, James Flippin. So your upcoming host, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, your boy is a peeping Tom, man. Your bird of a feather, Flacco, the Eurasian eagle owl who escaped the Central Park Zoo earlier this year, has made his way up into your neighborhood. Flacco has been spotted peeping into windows. He's a peeping Tom. This bird is planning on ledges, looking into people's apartments, I think he's looking for you. I think this bird is looking hold, for Curtis Hold Lee. on a second. I have heard the call of Flacco in the neighborhood. Huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's saying, where? Where's Curtis? Where is my guardian angel? Wait a second. When you were a little whippersnapper before you became this hillbilly guy... By the way, you who are talking about an owl, I'm surprised you wouldn't want to, uh, what do you mean, boil them in oil? Deep fry them. Yeah, deep, deep fry them. Knowing you, you hillbilly. They're not a protected you, species, right, right? what you did with a turkey. But let's forget that for a second. Don't you remember when we were kids? We put owls on a pedestal. It's what we learned our lessons from. Hey, kids, help spread the word about litter and vandalism. Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Give a hoot, don't pollute. Do you remember that, James Limpin? I, I mean, that? I do remember. Yeah, that that PSA. I I, d- I do not want you to disparage any longer. Yeah, the greatest owl ever in the history of owldom. Right, temple owls. Right, uh, the history of owldom. Flacco. Let me tell you about Flacco. A little story about Flacco. First off, to all those folks out there who hate the other birds that you call rats. With uh, with wings, pigeons. In order for people to keep pigeons off their window sills, or we'll call it their outdoor furniture of their very pricey tenements, their brownstones, they put spikes there. They try to spike the pigeons so that they lose their their feet and they torture them. The better route is to get the plastic owl up there, which some people do which is a natural predator to the pigeon because, remember, owls are nocturnal. They are up to the break of dawn just like me. That's why I relate. When I was a little child, my my mother, Francesca, when we were at Ozone Park living there, right, and my dad was away because he was a merchant seaman, she would make the sound, she would make the sound of the owl, making the sound of the owl, and she would go, Curtis, have you been a good boy? Have you been a good boy? You know who this is. This is the owl. And I'd look outside and I'd look on the windowsill and I'd say, Mom, Mom, where did the owl go? So the owl knows everything while you're asleep. The owl is nocturnal and is watching. And you know Daddy does not want to find out any bad news from the owl. I said, you think the owl will fly all the way to the ship? No. The owl will instruct the pigeons to fly all the way to the ship. So you can accuse my mother of bamboozling me when I was just a little child. But it certainly made sense to me. My all-time favorite in the animal kingdom was the owl. 
And then we saw recently how somebody had cut the net at the Central Park Zoo and freed this very exotic uh, owl named Flacco. And all of the bird watchers, you know, had their safari hats on. It's probably one of your, your friends there in Bloomfield, you know, with the shorts on and the binoculars going, whoop-a-woo, whoop-a-woo. They all followed Flacco. They said Flacco can never survive on his own. He's been hand-fed ever since he was a chick in the Central Park Zoo. Flacco, against all odds, proved that he could persevere. And he went to the Lower East Side. And I will acknowledge that he got secondary a secondary contact down there because everybody's smoking weed down there. And he found his way up, you are correct, to West 86th Street in Columbus, just a block away where I live with my wife Nancy and all the cats. And he was looking for love in all the wrong places. Flacco is solo. Yeah, I mean, the PSA that says, give a hoot, you shall not loot, you might want to tell Flacco there, hear me speak, thou shall not peep. Because he's staring into people's windows and he's freaking people out. The so you got you, a, a Lutheran here. You gotta talk. Give to me that them. again. Wait, is that, that's not the the rhyme that I well, heard as a kid. Give, give me that to me again. Give a hoot, don't loot. Hear me speak. Thou shall not peep. You might want to tell Flocka oh, to stop looking at people's oh, windows. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Instead of give a hoot, don't pollute. Yeah. All I'm going to say to everybody out there. You listen to the Animal Welfare Hour with yours, Julie, and Nancy, the Animal Rescuer, which will be syndicated across the nation in the new year, Sunday night from 10 to 11. And once again, I will defend the honor of Flacco, who is just looking for love in all the wrong places. That's what I had to do against James Flippin during the Rip and Read. I will do a more comprehensive discussion about Flacco, the celebrity owl, uh, in 24 hours. But as a result of that savage attack against me by James Flippin, and in coordination with news director Noam Layden, I am suggesting when we return that maybe we use artificial intelligence. Who needs them to be doing the news, right, Broadway Billy? AI, artificial intelligence can do the news. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Got the horses in the back, horse pack is attached. Head is matted black, got the gooses black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch. Now, can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a track. Tell 
is here at WABC, led by News Director Noam Layden, where we had a very spirited discussion the other day on the Rip and Read, how I felt that AI, artificial intelligence, should replace both Noam Layden, uh, James Flippin, and uh, you better get some audio if you want to hear your newscast, says Bob Brown. Come, all right. <laughs> So you've walked into the studio. What are you laughing Curtis. at? What are you, you laughing you at? You have a big schmata wrapped around your head. It is not flattering in the least, and it, <laughs> it just looks just dopey. No, what's, no, it looks like it's, like it's out of Star Wars, right? Uh, like you, it could be out of Star Wars. Yeah, you do look like you're out of Star Wars. Right, because <laughs> a uh, bit. I have con- you mentioned congestion, you know, congestion yes. with traffic. That's right. I have congestion in my head. I have a head cold. Yeah, well, that's just the beginning. So this is my Polish way of dealing with it. And how is it Polish to have a schmata wrapped around your head? Because it keeps the cold inside of my cranium, my <laughs> cerebellum. Wouldn't you Very be tr- important. Wouldn't you be trying to get rid of the cold? No, no. Why that, would you that, want to keep it in? That's what non-Polish people do. I happen okay. to be part Polish. Right. This works for me. I don't tell you what to do, no lady. That you don't. Okay? Actually, sometimes you do. Well, that's true. <laughs> but you know something? You're only digressing here because I have it on good authority that people like yourself, mm-hmm. people like James Flippin, right. people like if you don't have any audio, Bob Brown, don't give me the story are pretty much going to be in the Museum of Natural History or radio and television because there is a station already that is using artificial intelligence to do the news. We don't need you. How do you figure? I mean, I'm you know, we're here we're having this conversation. I'm giving you the news details. I'm researching. I'm calling the NYPD. I'm following leads. How does an AI robot do that? Well, you see, the AI robot wouldn't be making fun of me the way you are <laughs> in my time of need now that I have a congested head cold. I still don't understand why you want to keep the cold in as opposed to letting it go. This okay. is a Polish thing. Okay. What would you know about it? I, I'm not Polish. Exactly. All right. So I know. I right. know. It's the same way I wear a red sateen jacket when it's 110 degrees That's in true. the shade. You've seen that. Yeah. With a wool beret, right? Because it keeps the heat inside, <laughs> okay. which is like Polish air conditioning. Huh? Wow. Okay. So I'm, don't question what works for me. I, I'm going to try it. But meantime, right? I really am going to push the envelope this year with our president of operations, our parent company, Red Apple Media, with Chad Lopez, to replace you, James Flippin, and just give me the audio, Bob Brown. With artificial intelligence. Really? Okay. You know, it'll help us in the bottom line. I mean, why? Why have you when we could have artificial intelligence here not making fun of me and just doing the news? Well, you know, I have my news copy here yeah. uh, that I just did. I could feed it into the AI system, and we'll see good. if they sound as good, good. good. as I do. You well, want me to do this? You think you sound good, Okay, right? hold on one second. Let me just feed it into the system. Okay. All right. It, it takes a couple seconds. It's not understand. automatic. You're scanning it. You're yeah, i got to scan it, and then the AI uh, robot takes it up. It takes about five seconds. They put on their best newscaster voice. It's probably not better than mine, of course. 
But um, you want to hear what it sounds like? Oh, it looks, wait, absolutely. Hold on a second. Two more seconds. It's, okay, it's uploaded now. You want to see what it, uh, hear I what it sounds like? I can't wait to replace you with it. Okay, this is the AI robot doing the exact newscast I just did. 27 and son and I on this. The Friday, December 22nd. Oh, so far, so good. Good morning. I'm NOM Layden. <laughs> the holiday travel frenzy is here. Airlines have been preparing for record numbers through New Year's Day. The airlines are hoping to avoid a repeat of last year's travel nightmare. Not bad. When a snowstorm caused nearly 17,000 flights to be canceled and stranded hundreds of thousands of passengers. <laughs> the weather is calm around most of the nation. Some neighborhoods in northern New Jersey are still surrounded by water, days after heavy rain, that was followed by intense flooding from the nearby Pasig River. And now neighbors are being told that the rivers won't tip below the flood stage until the weekend, at the earliest. Today is the start of what the military calls Exodus, right, where soldiers, going, huh? sailors, and airmen are sent home for the holidays. The busiest place in the country may be the airport in San Antonio, which is home to four military bases. I got- and, and all the illegal aliens <laughs> yeah. coming in. And you know what? He's pretty good. Damn right. Yeah. So can we make the swap for the new year? Uh, no. And plus, that, he didn't know. make fun of me. He didn't take a shot at me because I have a schmata on my head because well, I have nasal congestion. He couldn't see your schmata. Believe me, he would jump on that right away. No wait, wait, two ways wait. About it. Can we give him a name? AI, artificial intelligence, robot, doing the news for us at WABC. To AI replace, Arthur? Yes, AI Arthur. Okay. To replace you, to replace James okay. Flippin. And of course. That's right. Replace them all. I'll have my revenge yet on Give Me the Audio, Bob Brown, James Flippin, and, of course, the news director, <laughs> Noam Layden. Ah, I'll be back in a few hours with uh, Anthony Weiner, four to five, left versus right. Before that, he'll take you chumpers on from uh, two to four.